I think we are live, baby. Let's play a little music. Let everybody tap in real quick, and uh, we'll get it cracking. Yes. Hood starts, baby. Shit just getting crazier and crazier, my G. Tuesday night. are undefeated. Not trying to promote violence. Just saying, protect your family. To anyone trespassing on one man's life, take note. The devil is alive and well, but so is God. Choose one. I stalk like a wolf. Pray I don't shoot. Muzzle on your face. I'm a problem for your ghost. I stalk like a wolf. Pray I don't shoot. Muzzle on your face. I'm a problem for your ghost. I've got a gun with me. Cause I'm ready for it all. Mama told me I was gifted. And I'm different from you all. Yeah. Pick the shells up. Turn the hell up. Forever undefeated, the streets will fail us. Mom and pop screaming, God prepare us. Sometimes water comes in sand. God made the deal, I shook his hand like a man. Lucky you, my son, wipe the blood off those vans. Father, Lord in heaven, I'm a motor to the brethren. I'm a burden to the reverend. Searching for significance, my spiritual endeavors. Every day I'm tested, every day corrected. My hands are in the air, God bulletproof, test me. Resurrect my senses, those were never bored. Lord, take me to your chamber. Teach me a ways out of love or with anger. I feel disgusted. As I all up this musket, people taking lives out of ignorance is busted. They shooting up schools. Father with felonies, I got everything to lose. I stalk like a wolf. Let's go. Pray I don't shoot. Muzzle on your face. Hit that like, hit that subscribe, baby. Stalk like a wolf. Pray I don't shoot. Muzzle on your face. I'm a problem for your ghost. I've got a gun with me. Cause I'm ready for it all. Mama told me I was gifted. And I'm different from you all. Bozo. Forgotten soldier. I'm just a victim of war. It yeah. was the cans of Jack Mack that I ate on the yard. It was the welfare lines I was the proud of weight on. It was yeah. my little girl's neck wrapping umbilical cords. I carry on. Cause glory weight on no man. How I look blaming you for the commitment I lack. You the time to keep a bitch after she fuck with your man. They try and kill the homie cause she gave up the ass. I walk in class. My style's elegant. I'm gangster. If it's making you uncomfortable, well, homie, get your cash up. Complain in the answer. Go and pull some work. You got designer on. I got bliss that hurt for what it's worth. I don't hate on no man, but I'm a killer motherfucker if he taking a stand. Not for the gang, but for the children that he left with no dad. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, driving into this podcast today while I was on the 60 freeway, um, I was just thinking, man, about life. And uh, this just crossed my mind, man. God is good. God is amazing. All the time. I mean, do the right thing and you shall be rewarded. Real shit. You know what I mean? Ugly people always trying to figure out why things ain't going right for them, you know? And, you know, the first step. If you are one of those people, which I hope not, but there are some of us, I was once one of those people, and at times I can be, get ugly myself too, but we gotta start with step one, and that's looking in the mirror, you know what I mean? Looking in the mirror and taking a little bit of responsibility, you know? Um, I wanna give a shout out to the homies from Valverde, um, the Miguel Lopez and Alfonso Lopez family. They are official sponsors of this podcast, and their business is called Glory Plumbing. Uh, serving Southern California, the vision is to be the leading plumbing company in the industry. They are value-driven, giving more value to our clients than money we take. Uh, plumbing with a purpose. For every service, we serve others by giving to those in need. Now, if you want to contact, uh, you need a good plumber, uh, you, here's their email. It's gloryplumbing2021 at gmail.com and their phone number is 888-620-6444 and that will all be in the description at the end of the podcast also we're paying bills right here baby you know what i mean uh we have a new uh 
we have a new sponsor. This is a, a cannabis a company for the best cannabis style clothing for men and women. Check out High Maintenance Clothing. They have over 80 styles for men and over 55 styles for women and counting. Okay, most projects ranging from $35. And you can see all the clothes exclusively, yes sir, exclusively at CoachellaShirtDesign.com. Once again, that's CoachellaShirtDesign.com. Now, this is this homie right here is a you know he's an entrepreneur. I mean, uh, Glory Plumbing. These dudes are fucking professionals, you know. And so you know we we just you know what we do right here is we just like to see individuals raise up, you know what I mean? And invest in yourself, you know what I mean? Believe in your dreams, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, take the take a step. Life's a risk, baby. Um, today, we got a special guest, and uh, I'm going to make it sweet and short. Everybody, give it up for Edwin, baby. Ooh, shoot. How you doing, brother? Man, I'm good, bro. Good. You good, huh? My Filipino brother? <laughs> That's right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. I mean, Filipinos, bro. You know what I mean? They just kind of like the hybrid of Asians. Wouldn't you say that? Yeah. Um, actually, somebody asked me that the other day. Like, what is your um, uh, origin? It's like, man, we're just like a mutt, you know? We're like every race, Polynesian, uh, Spaniards, uh, Chinese. Just like, there's no 100% Filipinos really in the Philippines because we're just a mixture of, of like a bag of Skittles of races, you know? Absolutely, bro. <laughs> Yeah. And who doesn't like Skittles? That's what I'm saying. That's why we're so like good-looking people because we just we just took the best of every race and just made a generic. I mean, you're yeah, you're the, you're kind of like I mean, do you speak the language? Yeah, I do. And is it more of like a, a, a it's it's Spanish? Yeah, um, what? Spain con uh, like the longest colonization was Spain, 300 years. So I mean, my last name is you know is is is, is, is uh, Latin, you know, and and a lot of our language is is Spanish. Um, Spanish, you know. I mean, I get the whole Spaniard thing, bro. You know, with you know, the, going to Mexico and just I know yeah. the history, bro. And you know what, bro? They call Spaniards like Caucasian. They're white. Yeah. But you know what, bro? You don't look white to me. And a lot of Mexicans, bro, that are talking a lot of this stuff, bro. You know what I mean? Like, bro. I you probably got a lot of that in your bloodline. I do, bro. Mm -hmm. I do, bro. You know what I mean? I, I mean, if you believe in the fucking, uh, what did I do, dog? I, you know, you spit in the vial and then you send it off to a lab and, and <laughs> I don't know what they do to it, yeah, dog. Yeah. You know what I mean? But then they send you back a fucking percentages of what you are, bro. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, it makes sense, bro. It actually matched up to what I thought it was, bro. You know? So and there's some people that don't believe in that shit, brother. It's um, all about culture. You know? It's about how you're like, what is your culture? That's what you know. It doesn't matter your bloodline, whatever. It's like how were you raised, and this is your culture. This is what you're supposed to be, you know, proud with. You know, I'm a Pinoy, and up and up in the Filipino. You know, let's go, baby. That's that Pinoy pride right there, baby. I mean, what you know, what what what, what is something? Say there's if there's guests that don't know a Filipino, they don't know Filipinos. They're in an area, bro. That there's no Filipinos, bro. What would you? How would you explain? your race to these individuals like you know food you know what i mean what you guys you know uh believe in and so on and so forth you know like yeah as a culture right it, it kind of parallels with um with the mexican roots you know family orientated right i mean we're big with family and 
Philippines is a, is an island, you know, in in Asia. So we're not really connected to the mainland of um, mainland of of uh, China and all that stuff. So we kind of like we we just like made our own little culture and we you know we embraced it and and we just cultivated you know our own our own roots and just took you know just took a bunch of you know like learn from different cultures different races and, and made of our own you know absolutely you know what my dentist for many years bro to now bro is a filipina mm. an older filipina uh shout out to shout out to her i love her so much she's the most <laughs> gentlest yeah. dentist i mean i had anxiety bro with dentists bro because in the, in the state prison bro I mean, I was going there in the 90s when there was a time where, oh, you got a cavity? We're going to pull that fucking tooth yeah. out, yeah. you know? And and I, I've been in the penitentiary times getting dental work, bro, where they numb me, bro, and the numbing went down to the middle. It, it numbed me all the way to the middle of my chest, it felt like, to the back of my fucking head, bro. In other words, bro, they put too much fucking Novocaine or whatever the fuck it's called, bro. You know, and it, and it kind of like traumatized me a little, bro. You know, so this dentist that I have, I've been seeing her since uh, 2007. I got out of Calipat the end of 2007, 2006, I'm sorry. I started seeing her in 2007, bro. And so, you know, I fell off from right away. And long story short, bro, like I've been dealing with her since I was giving her drug money for dental work. And now I give her the best insurance in the world I got, bro, through IBW Local 11, dog. Shout out to the fucking IBW Local 11, baby. I mean, they made my, and so now, I mean, and she still treats me the same, bro. And she is so gentle. She says, oh, she gets my shoulder. Are you okay? Everything good? And I'm just like, I'm like, mama. (laughs) No, on the real, like, it's like a Filipino joke. Our biggest exporter in the Philippines is caretakers, like nurses, and because... I don't know. Something about Filipinos is just taking care of people, being compassionate, you know, especially the people, the clients, and and you know, even the you know, like the people that caring is just it's just all heart, you know. I mean, I think majority of my family members are either nurses or work in some type of healthcare department, you know. Absolutely, bro. Brother, we and we need you guys there, bro. Yeah. You know, what I mean, we need you, bro. Like, if I go to a hospital, bro, and I don't see uh, you know a Philippine. Filipinos, Filipinas, Asians, Chinese. Like, I don't feel like I'm going to be taken care of right, bro. You to be honest, bro, you know? But uh, shout out to everybody that works in the medical field. All races, baby. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, What what would you say would be, uh, for people that don't know once in a while, once again, what would be a good dish? Like, you know what I mean? Your favorite Filipino dish. I mean, uh, um, lumpia, you know, it's like a Filipino egg roll. I love lumpia. And sit, it's like skinny noodles and adobo. It's probably my favorite, you know? Like, I know maybe we can talk about it later. After, you know, after I paroled, and the first thing they asked is, like, what do I want? It's like, man, I just want my mom's cooking. Like, I, I was fiending for some Filipino food. I mean, like, dying, you know? But it was like a four and a half hour trip, so we just ended up staying, uh, stopping by in and out, which I, I threw up with. We'll talk. Yeah, we'll get yeah, to that. Yeah, like you said, yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> I mean, and, and when it comes to the prison yards, bro, when they have like that, that what they call the bake sales or whatever the fuck. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's usually pizza, pizza chicken. chicken. Yeah. I mean, I've been to places where you couldn't have chicken because of the chicken, chicken bone, bro. Yeah, yeah, bro. You know what I mean? Um, what else, canine? What is it? Pastries. Pastries. Like donuts. Donuts. Fake Asian food, like Chinese food. <laughs> Have you had that? Were they? Yeah, okay. yeah, but it's like you can, like after three, four hours, it's just like it's you could tell it's going bad already. So like I, I'll try not to buy it. Like, yeah, 
that that MSG, bro, wasn't fucking kicking hard enough, dog. <laughs> whatever the, whatever yeah. keeps the you know the food yeah. nice and. I mean, we had a can. We had a canned. Uh, I don't know what it was. I think it was chili beans, bro. And I was looking at the date of you know when it expires, oh, yeah. bro. And I believe and I believe it was like two years from now, bro. Yeah. <laughs> so from two years from now, this whatever's in this can, this meat that's in the can is gonna survive <laughs> that time, bro. Whether yeah. it's and it doesn't need to be refrigerated. You yeah, know what I mean? It's just no, like yeah. keep it in a cool place. Yeah, I did a. I think um, a two year shoe and I was looking at, damn, is this mackerel still good? At, you know, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna knock it down because I was just hungry. So, I mean, I paid for it down the line, but you know, some stuff does last. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, do you mind, brother, if you talk a little closer oh, to yeah, the mic? Oh yeah, sorry, excuse me. Absolutely, dog. I want everybody to just to hear your powerful voice along with your powerful story, brother. I mean, you at 16 years old, you were sentenced to life in prison. Now. What I want to do, brother, is I'd like to start your story, your journey, but I'd like to fucking rewind it a little further back from 16 years old of what led you to that point, bro. Mm -hmm. Your upbringing with your parents, you know what I mean? What 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 led you to end up in a road that at 16 years old, you're facing fucking life in prison, brother? Yeah. What went wrong? Yeah. And so just to give us a little bit of your background, uh, if you don't mind, yeah. whenever you're ready, brother. Yeah, um, do you mind if I go a little more back because it plays part of the story, you know? 100%, yeah. bro. I was born in the Philippines, you know, in a, like a really loving family. I had a lot of protective factors, you know, uncles and aunts, they're all living with us, you know? And um, I was safe, you know? All my emotional needs and all my human needs, you know, affirmation, validation, safety, love, and all that stuff, belonging, I was getting it, you know? And then at 10, at 10 years old, I remember, um, it, was, it was really something I'll never forget. Um, it was a Friday, actually, the, the prettiest girl at school, in my school, actually kissed me that day. I was so excited. I wanted to see her Monday, you know? In the Philippines. In the Philippines. And what grade are we in? Uh, fourth. Fourth grade. Yeah, I was 10 years old. Damn, you're already macking in fourth grade, oh, bro? Yeah, yeah, I was a shy one. Yeah, I mean, bro. something about the quiet, shy, shy kid. The shy dudes always get all the loving, bro. <laughs> no. And the fucking big mouth dudes like myself, they're just like, no. I don't want to kiss that ugly no, mouth. because that's trouble. Like, it's like <laughs> big mouth's trouble, you know? Yeah. So, you know, and um, so I went home and I was looking forward to Monday, right? I was like, man, I can't wait to see her. And then my mom and my dad's like, pack up your stuff real quick. And it's like, why? It's like, we had to go to another, because my dad was in Air Force, we had to go to another base. He was in Air Force for the Philippines. No, um, he was working in the American uh, Air Force. There was a base in the Philippines. Okay, you know? okay. So um, at 10 years old, like, okay, just, I mean, like, I wasn't really thinking of nothing, you know, like, okay, we're just going to take a little vacation. So I packed up my stuff and, for some reason, everybody was crying, you know, like, what's going on? And then it's like, and they told me, like, because I have my, my uncles and my grandma and all that stuff in the house, like, hey, uh, say goodbye. I said, no, I wanted to sit in the window seat, so I didn't want to say goodbye to my family, you know? So we ended up going to another base, and I didn't know there was a freaking volcano was about to erupt, you know? So, um, yeah, and next thing you know, like, the next day we were just chilling, and um, my mom said, I got to go to the store, my mom my and my brother, it's just me and my sister. She was about a year or two older than me, you know? And and man, the volcano erupted, right? It was just me and my sister, man. It was like, it was around 12, 12 o'clock in the afternoon, the, the whole like sky went dark, you know, from ashes and stuff. And every 30 seconds, it was like an earthquake. It was just shaking, you know? And then you, we can hear, cause we were by, by the woods, we can hear the, the monkeys trying to break in, cause they were so scared too. They were trying to break in the house and like, like, and my sister, all she did was help me, you know, like, like she helped me and just like made me calm and say, and feeling safe, you know. So this lasted almost a day. We didn't, we didn't even know where our parents is, you know. 
So we finally, my, fa- my family came and they said, hey, they want us to evacuate from the Philippines to America. I'm like, I don't want it. This is my, this is my home, you know? Philippines is like, this is why I feel the safest. Like, well, I don't want to leave to a, some foreign country, you know? And so I had no choice. I was only 10 years old and um, I remember crying and they put us in the cargo plane. There's no seat, bro. Like, we were just sat in the damn seat and we had to hold on to the net, you know? And so, um. That's some third world country you know, shit. No, bull, like, on the real, like, this is how you, like, you know how far Philippines is from America? Like, bro, yeah. like. So I was throwing up the whole time and they had to give me a, um, a pill to, so I knocked out, you know? And I woke up in, uh, in, um, Washington and I remember, um, they were asking my dad, like, okay, you can go anywhere in America. Any, any, like any 50 states. Work. And we, and the last three was Hawaii, Florida, and California. Since my dad had family in California, and he was like a Lakers and a Fort Anderson fan, so bro, we, we that's Well, hold I, on. Okay. Lakers. Yeah. I don't know about the 49ers, bro. bro. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just for, they just take a step back. The only games they show was Fort Anderson and Lakers. That's why we, a lot of Filipinos, you know, became Fort Anderson and Lakers fans. You know? That's just, crazy, just, bro. Just, just, just a little. Uh, I, uh, party facts, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, oh, you're 49, most likely they are. We had no choice. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. that's all they're showing. Yeah. So um, we picked California and, and we landed in Long Beach. And I remember, man, I didn't, man, it's just like, it was crazy. First day I stepped out of that, the yard, because we were staying at uncle's house. There was kids already like, like hey, where are you from? Like, bro, I, I'm from the Philippines. I don't even know what the hell where you're from is. I, I didn't even speak English, you know? So like, the kids was like just staring at me and I was just, bro, I was just scared. Like, what the hell? That moment, the volcano and coming to America rocked my foundation, you know? <sighs> Rock, like everything I knew about the world, it just like went bleak and went dark and gray. Like, and there was nobody, like our family was going through the same stressors and, and trauma. It's like, and we weren't really processing what the hell is going on. Hold on real quick, bro. What is the time frame from volcano erupting to stepping two out of- Two weeks. Two weeks? Like, like what I remember, like two weeks, bro, from in Long Beach, like, it was quick and like, it was just, it just happened. That know? sounds like a coming to America part no, three movie, I'm, bro. I'm telling you, man, if, if they only knew, <laughs> you know? So let, let, hold on real quick though, bro. And I, I gotta do this, bro, Not just for my own personal curiosity yeah. and probably a lot of others that are on this, uh, uh, t- uh, tapped in right now. So out here in California, we're used to earthquakes. We know what earthquakes are. You know what I mean? Uh, some states, no hurricanes and so on and so, uh, you know, floods and Louisiana, right? So on and so forth, you know what I mean? A volcano, bro. So when a, a volcano erupts, it, 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 there's an earthquake involved? Yeah, because when it's erupting, the ground literally like, it's just the whole area, the, it's just shaking every 30 seconds. It could be a 5.0, 6.0. It's just like a massive like convulsion on the, on the ground, you know? Pushing, Absolutely. Pushing all that um, that tension. That's what volcano like. It just, it's finally is like ready to erupt, you know? And it's just, once it explodes, everything around there, like with, within the range, it's just shaking, you know? Uh, absolutely, bro, absolutely. And so, when, how far are you from the volcano? And, you know I mean? Do you actually see it erupting from a distance? I mean, are there people that have to escape or leave, evacuate from where they're at because yeah. the hot lava's coming down. Yeah. And so, that, that's yeah. a normal thing out there. Yeah, it's not normal. Yeah, definitely not normal. But okay, it, okay. Yeah, but 
there's two types of um the eruption. There's like just the ashes flying all the way up to the and then just it falls down and there's the lava. Lava is actually even safer because when the lava comes, you can you can basically just jump in a car and just outrun the lava. You know, you know. Yeah. Unless you're right there, like you know, people dumb enough to start filming like eruptions and stuff like that. You know. Yeah. And but this one, just like we saw it, we saw the the it's like a mushroom cloud, you know, and it's just creeping in, and the next thing you know, it just the ashes just started engulfing the sky, and then what's so crazy is there was a one of the a, a typhoon of the century was happening at the same time. So when 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 the typhoon and the eruption came collided, it just dumped all the ashes. So so a lot of the people dying is from the ash so much ashes in the top of the roof and it's collapsing and stuff like that, you know? Wow, bro. And so just so we can have we can have some little clarification in regards to your pops is Amer was an American yeah, is American a, citizen. Yeah. And so he joined the US Air Force yeah. and since he was Philip Philippine, he was from Philip he's Panoy, they sent him to base in Philippines. Or that was just luck of the draw type of thing or Yeah, I mean that's when he signed up and at first, you know, you get enlisted there. Oh, you get enlisted in yeah. the Philippines. Yeah, yeah. Is the Philippines a part of Yes. Yeah, I mean it's I mean it's it's not a US territory but there there's like you know, a, a treaty like you know they they work together and all that stuff. You know. So we have a big we have a big U.S. Philippine Army in the Philippines. Not anymore because a Filipino Duarte Army, even uh, a president before that, they kicked all the American. All, they closed all the bases down. You know. Well, that's some bullshit, though, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sure that that kind of like. Now, now they want them back because China's threatening them in the, in the Philippine Sea. So, like, okay, we wanna, we wanna renew this contract of you guys coming in, you know, protect it's us. It's a cold China. shot, bro. Yeah. It's a cold shot. Now we need you guys. Yeah. You know I mean, <laughs> no, hey, it's yeah. it's business, bro. At the end of the day, bro, if we like it or not, politics is business. It is. And there's no uh, love involved when it comes to fucking business, money, yeah. and so on and so forth. I mean, that's hey, how it is. It's the yeah. world we live in. You know, and I'm sorry about that, brother. No, I mean, it is. It yeah. was up to me. We would have kept you guys. You know I mean, <laughs> you know, we'd have kept you guys, don't yeah. you? You know what I mean? Because yeah. uh, I mean, I, my the area that I'm from, bro, uh, Northeast LA, we have a big uh, a Filipino community in Eagle Rock, bro. Yeah, yeah, a definitely. huge. Yeah. You know I mean, that's where my dentist is at, bro. Mm -hmm. you know I mean, and that's yeah, Eagle, Eagle Rock's um, a big population over there. Absolutely, dog. Mm -hmm. I love, I, I, and I love my my my, my Pinoy, uh brothers and sisters. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm just, I'm not just saying that because you're here. I mean, I've had homies from uh, different neighborhoods, yeah. bro. Uh, what is it? Uh, uh, PR and, mm -hmm. and different neighborhoods, bro. That we've kicked it with, dog, mm -hmm. since I was a kid, bro. Yeah. So I mean, you always looked at just like one of the homies yeah. and shit. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And um, but you know what I was thinking about, bro? Real quick. Um, and this might be a little of, of the retarded lucky kicking right now, dog. But after doing 24 years there was and getting out there was probably another volcano that erupted <laughs> yeah there's there's a few of them. <laughs> Does that make any sense? <laughs> All right. Yeah. Anyway, sorry yeah. about that, bro. Um and that was probably like earth shaking and yeah, you were shaking and <laughs> she was shaking and <laughs> definitely definitely a lot of lava. Yeah. <laughs> um explosion definitely. Absolutely, bro. Um okay. So you, you get off the plane, Long Beach, you got kids asking you where you're from, you're speaking. I mean, how is the dialect between Spanish, the, the, the way you're, the Spanish you speak and the Mexican Spanish? I mean, I mean, it's, it, you won't have a conversation, but there's, you can pick up words, you know, okay. like cuatro and, 
Coche. And like, you know, stuff like that, like similar words that you can pick up. Okay, this is what they're talking about. But you, it's hard to have a conversation, a dialogue back and forth, you know? Okay. Yeah, but you can pick up some things, you know? And that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so the, the, it's, and that derives from the Spaniard mm-hmm. dialect. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Our main language is Tagalog. It's, it's from um, a lot of our root words. I mean, our origin words is from Spaniards. But at the same time, we have over a hundred something um, dialogues in the Philippines. So, absolutely. You know. And so you said that's a two week span. Volcano erupting. You're off the plane in Long Beach. I mean, what? So speaking. I mean, we know all along what Long Beach is right here, mm-hmm. uh, here at Hoodstocks. I mean, so you did you? I mean, and this might sound stupid, bro, but did you go from like a, a third world country type of shack? I mean, even though your pops was the Air Force, and into like a whole nother like Candylands sort of scenario stepping off into Long Beach. Yeah, I mean, yeah. what was the, the difference, bro? I mean, the first thing you rec- like the first thing I recognized while well, in the freeway is just is humongous. I mean, imagine it's like a Candyland. <laughs> like it's just it's magical, you yeah, know? Right? Yeah, yeah. You know, we have trees and woods in the Philippines. I mean, we have cities in the Manila and all that stuff, but. It's nothing compared to like, Los, especially Los Angeles. You know, coming out of the, air, coming out of air, air, uh, air, air, airport. Yeah. yeah, and it was just, it was just like, it's just it's shocking. You can't, you can't really process what you're seeing. You know, like especially, you know, I used to tell people like a lot of immigrants are like at least they're prepared. They seen what the hell America is because they're preparing to come here. Like for me, there was not even an ounce of you know like. Thought, thought of me coming to America for me to even research what America is, you know? Absolutely. And then and and then also, let's not avoid what we originally, what you originally started the story on. I mean, you were looking forward to going to school Monday <laughs> to see that little hottie, bro. Yeah, the one sure. you just, I mean, was it a tongue kiss? Was it a lip <laughs> no, kiss? I mean, did you go home with hickeys, <laughs> no, bro? No. It was just a, it was my first little peck in lips. <laughs> so that shit That's, might have felt amazing. No, huh? it was. That was it a was. fucking volcano kiss up by <laughs> no, itself, huh? It's just, I mean, like, like, just a little bit of embarrassment or shameless, but I was more look like more mad that I didn't see her Monday than actually like I'm not seeing my family. <laughs> When I came to America, hundred like, percent. No, and and that's that's just a that's the thought process of a kid, of a kid, yeah. bro, of a kid, bro. Yeah, like we don't we don't see yeah. the full picture, bro. Yeah. We don't give a fuck if that volcano is fucking erupting and burning <laughs> fucking lives, bro. We are focused on yeah. the you know what I mean the tunnel vision, yeah. baby. You know but what I mean the stimulus, like the reward, the, the instant gratification made me like make me feel like I never felt before. You know, so yeah, that's what I was thinking about. There's a reward there and. And the volcano was just in my way, you know. Yeah, absolutely, brother. And that's and that's that's just a, a trippy thing to think about as a child. And here we are as grown men now, you know, the evolution of you know years on this earth, bro. Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes when we have kids, like I have kids, bro, I got to be aware of of you know what we see is like. What do you? What's wrong with you? You know what I mean? What's wrong with them? They're, that's six and a seven year old right there. Yeah. That's what's wrong with them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then and, and then also for cats that are potentially getting out from a long stretch, bro. Yeah, he's got gray hairs, but you know what? He's been in since he was yeah. sixteen years old. Are you, you know what I mean? Yeah. But anyways, brother, you step out of the plane in Long Beach. I didn't. We didn't stay in Long Beach because we had to find um a base for my dad to live in. So we end up going to San Bernardino, like it's called Norton Air Force Base over there, you know? So that's where my first like real, like real living situation in, in San Bernardino and, and just, and 
I remember the first day of school. I'll never forget it, you know. And um, and I, the teacher introduced me. This is Edwin, you know. And I, I said my name. And one of the kids, you know, goes back to being impulsive and all that. One of the kids said, "You sound funny. We're gonna, you know, we're, we're gonna call you Bruce Lee." Bro, I don't even know who the hell Bruce Lee is. You know, I'm Filipino, you know? And I bet this is a Mexican kid, too. Actually, no, it was a white kid. You know, like, it was it was a white kid. And because we've been having Asian homies on here, bro, and and you know what, bro? Like, they, they've they told stories about, you know, Mexican kids putting gum in their hair. I mean, yeah. you no, know? No, there's bullying, yeah. Yeah, bully. Yeah, just, bully. Be, just because that, that kid said it, but there was all nationality. My first, my first year, too, was there was massive, massive, like, bullying, you know, because I was going to school with my slippers. I was, my mom was making fish because that was the main dish in lunch. Come, you know, people smell that, you know. Like, that's violation, bro. Yeah, you know, time. I know that's violation because I did that one time <laughs> at the, at the, at the UPS, uh, the UPS, big UPS in Compton, bro. Mm-hmm. We were working there and I, and, and we're working there while the, the dude, the, the uh, women, girls, ladies are working there. And so we, I, one time I took tilapia, dog. Oh, yeah. I took tilapia into the break room, bro. And I'm sitting <laughs> with some some white hipster dude, dog, that I was always giving a hard time about being a hipster, bro. And he, and he was always eating nuts and just like hipster food, bro. Like, you know what I mean? He ate like a fucking rabbit, dog. He was a bird, dog. You know what I mean? He's a parrot, homie. But, you know, and, and I threw that in the microwave, bro. And I didn't realize that I fucked up. Until I threw it in the microwave in the oh, break yeah. room of the U- whole UPS fucking thing. And there was a bunch of people on lunch. And he looked at me. And everybody looked at me. And I said, fuck. <laughs> and everybody, w- and I sat down. He goes, he looked at me with disgust. This little, and I used to call him a fucking, he looked like a fucking, like if a sperm, like if a sperm had <laughs> eyes and lips and shit, dog. Like he was a, he was like a sperm. I was like, well, you'd resemble sperm, homie. You know what I mean? And he looked at me and he was so disgusted with me. He said, I can't believe you just did that. <laughs> and, and this is me always talking shit to him. And honestly, this time he I just you. put my head down. I said, you're yeah. right, dog. I f- All enough to it. <laughs> I fucked up. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want to jo- like jump ahead but you know uh, but this there, there is a story about that fish um back then you know we used to get packages from our moms you know and i remember mom i it was a dry fish when i opened that up because it was a pelican but you know you had holes and like and the towers like you freaking asians i could smell this goddamn fish and they kicked everybody out to the damn to the yard just to air out the whole day room because it stank like bro i was like I own up to that. I own up to that. It was You know, bro, that is fucking hilarious, dog. And it may it reminds me, bro, in the nineties when you when when you didn't have to go through like walking horse no, or yeah. Keefe, bro. Yeah. Like your family like my, you know what my pops would do, bro? My pops would empty out his cupboards, bro. <laughs> Foam in a box and send me my package. And this is who my pops is, bro. My pops is the dude that goes to food for less, bro. And there's this one rack that's got dented cans, dog. You know what I mean? And if a can is dented, bro, it's got to be fucking like half price, bro. And so I would get a huge box. Like, I think what it was like 40 pounds you can get or some shit. 35 or some 30, you know. Shout out to my boy Caesar from ARC right here, baby. You know what I mean? I love my boy right here. Yes, sir. We love you, doggy. Um, but he he would bring me, bro, I would open this fucking box. And it was just like a, 
it, it actually excited me, bro, <laughs> yeah. because I didn't. Home. It was. It was like I didn't know what. No, it wasn't home. I mean, I mean, it was. It was just similar. like it, it's like a, a, a like you don't know what you're gonna get. Yeah. It's a surprise <laughs> box. You know what I mean? But I knew it was. I knew it was gonna be dented cans, <laughs> and so I was the only dude on the yard that was getting yams. You know what I mean? <laughs> getting fucking busted up cans of beans, but I ate that shit. I ain't gonna lie, dog. What do you got on the spreads? I got a can of yams, homie. <laughs> <laughs> Just got my package full. Like my pops didn't know, bro. My yeah. pops is a fucking Jew, dog. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, like yeah. he's just like my pops. His favorite thing to make is fish head soup, bro. You ain't. I don't eat that shit. Well, you, you probably eat that yeah, shit. Yeah, that, but uh, but anyways, he's a strange dude, dog. You know what I mean? He's a very strange dude, dog. But he would give me this huge box of denny cans mm. and just miscellaneous, yeah. miscellaneous, bro. You know what I mean? But it's a good memory, bro. Yeah, and and it, and shit like that, dog. It, it creates character, dog. Yeah. You know, and, and at the at the, I ain't gonna lie, bro. I laugh at it now. I laughed at it then, dog. But I appreciated it, bro. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know why, dog? Because I got everything that nobody else has on the yard, bro. <laughs> you know what I mean? You yeah, know, when yeah. Thanksgiving pulls up, dog, and we making a spread. Well, we need some yams, dog. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm your guy, yeah, dog. Yeah. Anyway, sorry about that, bro. No, it's, no. Sorry, I, Caesar. My bad, dog. Caesar's like, fuck it. <laughs> Give me a drink. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, over, I'll order Uber for you. Uh, <laughs> I'll order the Uber for you, doggy. We'll get you home, baby. You know what I mean? Um, go ahead, brother. Sorry about that. So I remember that the first year of school, like school, you know, if you're having, you know, the type of environment, people in your family dealing with stress and reacting in a different way, you know, in this, in this, in this situation, you would think school would be your safe zone you know but school wasn't i mean i wasn't really a fighter you know i was a kid that was happy when i was in the philippines so i was getting bullied bro like like it was something that that i used to just come home and just like cry you know like and just and just i hated america like yeah i hated america and and i want all i want to do is come back and and it was just crazy and the crazy part about it is like from 10 to 16, we moved six times. So I was never in the same school, you know. We kept moving and moving. And, and find, one of the moves, I met people with a similar background, Filipinos, you know. Yes. And, I, man, I was like, it was like, oh, my God. Like, who, you know, they speak the same. They went through the same experience as me. And, and they were willing to embrace me. The first week I hanged, like, actually, the second day I started hanging around with them, I, I snuck my mom's car out just to you know just to fit in and we got pulled over since i was like 12 years old and the cops pulled over and somebody had a gun in the in the back of the seat and since i was the youngest and i'm new to the crew guess what happened like they put the gun under my seat you know at 12 years old so and then nobody took the blame since i was it was my mom's car and i was driving i'm the one you know i'm the one who went to do for the hall like so first of first real quick bro that went pretty quick, bro. Jumping off the plane, dog. You find that you find you 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 move and bounce on around, bro. Yeah. You now you're in a spot where you, you got people that resemble yourself. Yeah. The you first got year, you yeah. got your own kind, bro. Now you're in your mom's car. There's a gun gets put underneath your seat. Yeah. I mean, the who are you? Year, who, bro. Yeah, bro. In who America? Are you? In America, bro. Yeah. Twelve years old, bro. Who are you hanging around with, bro? Yeah. It's 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 it was an older like my brother met him in high school. Okay. And then. You know, they're Filipinos. You just gravitated to your own race, you know? Absolutely. And so when they, my brother introduced them, like, and then I started, like, looking up to them, like, they're, like, really, like, you know, like, oh, my God, like, you know, 
At that time, I didn't know what a homie's known as like, but I look up to them like, this is the people that's, you know, understand me and I can feel like I'm being accepted. I'm going to start belonging to my own, my own race. So, so just jumping back after, after, um, I got arrested, I was, we were in Tustin, so I went to Orange County, 12 years old. Like I, I didn't know what gang means and all that stuff. And the first night they put me in, in a cell with, with, um, with somebody from F Troop, you know? Yeah. And, um. Shout out to the homies from F Troop. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, um. I forgot his name, but um, when I went in there, it's like, "Hey, you Asian?" I said, "Yeah," and he just took off on me, bro. I, like, I just started like, well, man. Well, let me take that shout out from H. <laughs> no, 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 it's cool. No, I met a lot of. H- I take it back. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm, excuse me. I yeah. met a lot of people. You know, OC man, shout out to them. Like, you know, like, <laughs> shout out to the dude that fucking took off on yeah. him. You know I mean, poor kid, twelve no, years old. Like, <laughs> you Asian? Like, yeah, what the we fuck? Fought, like, we fought right and. And he gave me like, all right, I'll give you my, I'll give you props. And we became cool, you know, like, okay, there you go. yeah. It's a tough love, baby. You got to no, make sure you, you got to see where your yeah, heart's at, don't yeah, you? Got to yeah. see where your heart's yeah. at, little Asian man. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And um, I was like, what, 95? But like, he was like, like, okay, you did your thing, you know, like, you're not, you're not going to back down and all that stuff. So we became cool. And, and I think part of my mistake, too, is when I got out, when I got, went to the day room is, there was a there was a guy from TRG. I didn't know about the, um, the green light and all that stuff back then. There was a guy from TRG. It's like, hey, you you Filipino? Yeah, he, he took me in, right? Yeah. And you know the history, you know, back then in the nineties, ninety two with the TRGs and and, and and Mexicans. So now everybody think I'm from TRG. Yeah. So everybody, I'm just walking my hand behind back going to school. I mean, not even a gang, and they're just took they just taking off on me, you know, like because they thought I was from uh, from Tiny Rascal, you know. Are you are you are you in a, a Sorry, real quick. Uh, your hands behind your back, diamond shape. Yeah, you're in. So, you're in. Yeah. Uh, Silmar. Oh no, I was in OC in um, Orange County. Okay. Yeah. A juvenile hall right there. Yeah. Okay. So by the freeway, Orange. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm familiar with the with the with the, the Silmar. Yeah. Yeah. The LA yeah. East yeah. Lake Silmar. Yeah. Los they, they still have our, our, our hands behind the back. Yeah, know? but so uh, uh, Silmar makes you do diamond shape hands behind your back. Yeah. As a kid, and I always think diamond shape is just to be cool. Like you don't want to conform to like you know, but hands behind your back, so like. Just walking around with your head up in the time and shape. You know? There you go, baby. Let's go. So, um, sorry about that, dog. No, it's okay. Yeah, um, yeah. So, like, Juvenile Hall was probably one of my worst. Exp- the first time, you know, was probably one of the worst experiences. Like, I'm already dealing with what I'm dealing with America, but Juvenile Hall taught me that violence gets results. You know, the more I fought, the more I was getting kind of like acknowledgement from other people. You know, might is right, and violence. You know gets results so fighting was became i was getting kind of like more of like addicted to it like that was my only answer now and because i'm also dealing with 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 you know first sadness and depression now i'm just angry i'm just after that that stand at juvenile hall i was just angry like you know what nobody like my parents not gonna save me school not gonna save me nobody's gonna save me you know so i did three months my first stint and then and what I got out of juvenile hall and freaking Riverside County picked me up right as soon as the front of the gate because I, I stole my mom's car. Yeah. You know, because my mom had to report it. So they picked me up. I went to to um, to Riverside uh, Juvenile Hall for another extra month for joyriding. I mean, I don't know why I got a month for joyriding, you know. So now I did four months my first term and it's like, and so I got out. And now I'm just like mad. I'm blaming everybody like after world. And, but the homies, like, you know, the people I met, came around like hey man like you didn't tell you know all that stuff and 
that's how I got in the hood, you know, like, hey, you want to get in and all that stuff, you know? And what hood are we getting into? Yeah, it's called TOS. Um, first, they started with, um, with, there used to be taggers, dancers, taggers, and, and after, you know, they became a gang. It's called the Other Side Gang, you know, in Riverside. And so, um, yeah, so I got in, and it's like, after that, man, I just, like, they called me Shorty. Like, Shorty is like, I was so ashamed of who I was, Edwin. I just went by Shorty. I went 110 miles an hour, like, this is my identity. If I'm like, if if I don't have shorty, that means I'm gonna be that weak Edwin that always scared, always that fear. You know, I'm t- I was getting tired of always being in fear. You know, and so I just like embraced that identity and and my insecurity is I went 110 miles an hour like just because I was I don't want these new new set of friends to leave me. I was just so insecure about myself that I'm gonna do everything to make sure that these these the homie is gonna like me, and that's what I did. At, at 12, 13 years old, you know? I mean, that that statement alone right there is very powerful for a lot of individuals that have followed the same path as, as this this man uh, in front of us right now, you know what I mean? And I was, I was one of those individuals, you yeah. know what I mean? You know, we picked up a new identity, dog, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And, and it was like a, it was like a mystical creature, dog. Yeah. It was just like a fucking, like a superhero, yeah. a neighborhood superhero, bro. You know what I mean? We you know laws. We make yeah. the rules. We break the rules. We yeah. fucking, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, this is who we are now. And we and we and we get it and we just fucking like we just we feel powerful. Yeah. I mean, as kids, bro, yeah. we idolize superheroes and now here we are. We're a superhero yeah. in the neighborhood, bro. You know, like I get that, bro. No. And and and, and I, I just love the way you explain that, bro. A lot of cats haven't explained it like that, and I know it was very simple, but it was simple and powerful. And some yeah. some some things uh, explained in the most simplest form, bro. Yeah. Uh, you know, make the most sense, yeah. bro. To, no. at least to me. No, does. this is valid. Like, it's hard uh, if you haven't lived our lifestyle. It's really hard to explain how powerful we feel. <sighs> you know, if you're at school, and then you, your homies two three car deep picking you up, <sighs> you're just like man. You know, it's just like. That's like yeah, like yeah. your head's Dom Mega. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you just Ice Cube, Dom oh, yeah, Mega. Yeah, yeah, you know Ta-da, that. How you like me now? I remember I'm in that yeah. fucking juvenile hall bus and they were bumping that power 106, homie. Yeah. And we were like, ah yeah. you yeah. know what I mean? We were fucking wilding out in that bitch. Like, what, homie? <laughs> so shit. Yeah. I'm where I need to be at right yeah. now, homie. And, with, with my homie is just like, you know, back in the 90s, like we had the rice rockets, you know, the, the Hondas and all that stuff. You can we can hear the exhaust. So I was like, yeah, it's time to do school because I can hear the exhaust coming, picking me up. They're like, because I know that that's who's picking me up, you know? I mean, some people waited for the uh, school bell to ring. Yeah. You listen, no. You were waiting for the exhaust. No. To, you yeah, were waiting yeah, for the no, rice rockets. That was it. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, oh, I got to go, dog. You know no, I mean? Yeah. Not Fuck man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, on the road, like, my teacher was like, you know, I was in uh, sixth, seventh grade, and my teacher was like, can I go to the bathroom? Just make sure you don't take the pass because we know you're not coming back, you know? Like, it's like all right. It just, I just can't wait to be around the homies. It's just like they made, like they really made me feel like, like I belong and I'm like I'm safe with them. Even warped it is, I I thought I was safe with them. You know. Let's go, bro. Yeah. Absolutely, dog. Yeah. So um yeah and so like you asked the question is leading up to to my crime. You know like my personal opinion, bro. Like for you to commit murder. It's, you know, unless you're wired differently, like a psychopath, it's a ingredients, it's a progression, you know? And every single action I took from stealing cars, jumping people, you know, getting in the riots, you know, it led up because I kept, 
I kept making, like, giving myself permission. Like, oh, this is, I'm part of the homie. Like, you know, every time I do something, instead of taking consequences, I'm basically saying this is okay. So, you know, you become more, like, not even caring. Your needs is more important than, than another person, you know? And at 14, I was, again, rest, arrested for shooting in a dual house. I was in a car at that time, but but I, I wasn't the trigger. But I did serve um, a year. They gave me an option of, Either you go to YA or go to boot camp for a year and then get, get kicked out of California. So my parents already divorced, and my dad went to, to Texas, you know. And so, like, do a year boot camp, get kicked out of California, live with my dad in Texas. So I went to Texas afterward. I did my boot camp, you know. I mean, the boot camp another and the placement home, and it's another disastrous policy they have. Like, putting kids, you know, they think that it's group homes and all that stuff. It's helpful, No. It's 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 basically another another way to to you know to to like like make you a be- a better criminal basically you know you it's 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 another policy that needs to be changed but yeah I went to Texas and um I it was so I'm sorry Texas people but it's so boring there bro it, Texas was so slow like they drive slow like come on like every, they talk slow they, they talk. drive slow. <laughs> I mean, I was bored out of my mind. Like, I'm, I'm addicted to the lifestyle, you know. Yeah. I'm addicted to carrying the guns. I was already on doing. Like, I, I did my first line when I was 13 of speed. You know, I was already addicted to speed, and but and that lack of stimulation in Texas, like I craved to go back to California, so I ended up going back to to California. You know, and at 16, like I was already like, for a 16 years old man. Thinking about it, I was, man, I used to have intervention for my own homies, like, to tell me to slow the fuck down, you know? I mean, like, just thinking about it, it's like, they said, their girlfriends used to tell them, like, who you hang around with, you know? And I was like, shorty, it's like, no, no, don't hang around with them. Like, that's the type of fucking idiot I was, you know? And, and, because they know either I'm going to gangbang, I'm going to do drugs, or I'm going to freaking, you know, look for girls. And they, they, that's what their family members and their girlfriends feel like, you know? 100%. And I think to this day, I have that same problem with some of my homies and their girlfriends, you know what I mean? Um, that's another story, though, dog. Um, I mean, I got a two-part question for you, bro. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the two-part question is, and ask it in any order you'd like to ask it. I've had Asian homies on here, mm-hmm. um, Korean, Chinese, watchings, Korean boys, right? And we talked about drugs, bro. And they basically said in regards to their circles, um, that was hard drugs were frowned down upon. You know, now when it comes to, you know, my side of the tracks, bro, like, I mean, if you weren't on drugs and fucking with the drugs, bro, then you weren't in the fucking yeah. car, bro. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's a question that I want to ask in regards to the, 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 the panoise, policy, you know what I mean? The structure it, of it. Yeah, the, the, like regarding drugs. And the, and the, the, the second question I want to ask is your parents divorced, you know what I mean? Why did they divorce? I guess three part question, why did they divorce and how much of an impact did it have on your road that you took? Yeah, yeah um, maybe I can answer the, um, the drugs part and then I'll, and I'll answer the second part because that really plays a big part of, of my story, you know? The, the, the Filipinos, we don't have the same structure, you know, like, you know, like when it comes to drugs. Even in the Philippines, even our older um, uncles and all that stuff, we had a big, a big um, 
a big problem with shabu. It's like in the Filipino drugs, you know, Filipino speed in. in Filipino. Yeah, no, and I and I got homies that go to the Philippines, yeah, bro, and they shabu. say that shit is fucking, fucking fire. Like, it's yeah. fire, and everybody's on it. Yeah, because you don't have the same downfall, you know, like, like you know, like a regular like chemicals and all that stuff. Like they, I, I that was the big thing in the Philippines. Is, is so speed was, I don't know, is it, it, it was it was a lot of Filipinos. You you will hear a lot of um. It got addicted to to speed in in America, you know, and it, and it follow like we can talk about it, but you follow them in 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 prison. They majority of the, the homies like the Filipinos get in trouble because because of their addiction to speed, you know. And 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 it's and it's it's kind of like in the how do you say it, bro? Like maybe in the DNA, it's passed down to them. Yeah. Um, because of shabu, mm-hmm. shabu. Is it is it speed or is it another form of speed? It's another form of speed. I, I, I'm not exactly sure of you know the ingredients and all that stuff, but it's another form of speed that supposedly is more pure or whatever you know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's but it's, it's ten times more addicted. So that's you know. Absolutely. Okay. And so now do you now to your your parents divorcing and the yeah. effect that it had on yeah. you? Yeah. I mean, like I said, you know, we all dealt with our trauma, you know, coming to America differently. You know, and I remember the day I found out that my parents was going to get divorced was was like my mom, my dad was the first, the first and only time I saw him cry. I mean, at, at that at that um time frame, he was just crying. It's like I I have you no, know, I have to leave your mom. You know, and it's like, and then the messed up thing about it was like was more more hurting for me is the person that protected me. I felt like protected me was my sister, right? She was the one that helped me through the volcano. She was like my best friend, you know? And my sister and my dad left. So I felt abandoned, bro. Like, why you didn't take me, you know? Yeah. And, and that contributed to more of my anger, you know? You know, that's when my value of family, you know, kind of switched. My, fam- my only family is my hood, like my, my gang, you know? This family, you know, stupid it is back then, I didn't realize how bad it was, but that was that, that's not my family, you know. In my head, I didn't know back then. Like I kind of chose, I chose which family I want to be with, you know. I blame my mom. She was like, my mom was the root of all of what I'm going through. When I was playing a victim stand, like, oh, it's because of my mom, how she raised me, or because this and that, you know. And at that time, I was just so mad at her, but I, I didn't realize she was the one that loved me the most, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That hurts you to this day, huh? Yeah. Are you good with mom right now? Oh, you have no idea, bro. Okay, it's we'll just, get to that. Yeah, definitely. You know, pops? Pops, yeah. Just, my family is healthiest as I've ever been in my life. You know? And that's to you getting out after 24 years? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's let's continue with this journey, brother. Mm-hmm. Thank you, bro. No problem, bro. Yeah. So um, at 16, um, like I said, I was going 1,000 miles an hour right now. And I just didn't give a damn, you know. I was the one that always raising my hand for everything. And an event happened, I, I, it was Valentine's Day. My sister called me, like, hey, like, can you go to the mall with me, you know? Because some guy's harassing me because she wanted to go back and buy something, you know? So we went to the mall and, um, and I remember there was like, we went to the mall and there was people, you know, the people that work in, in the middle of the mall, like construction stand, like, you know, Workers are like, hey, there's, there, there seem like they're, you know, they, you can just sense that 
there, there's trouble because they're just circling around us, you know. I didn't know they were my enemies at times, so I was like, whatever. And my sister asked me, hey, let's go to the side. I said, no, I want to go. I was a dumbass dude. Like, I want to go see them, you know. So we went over there and we got jumped. Like, you know, first it was me. I just, like, I started fighting them and, and my sister was trying to pull one of them and, and one of them hit my sister, you know. And my, my work belief was like, I was just really giving my permission to myself to like, to look for them. So it's like, oh, they touched my sister. Oh, that's a no-no. Like, you touched my family. Like, like it's all out, you know? Like, violation. Yeah, violation. You touched my family member. Like, you can touch my family. You can touch, you know, like. So that was my, in my head, that was, I gave myself permission. Like, you know what? I'm going to look for them. And which what I did. I went to school. I went to the high school. And I just remember, and um, I seen, you know, out of respect for them, I'm not going to name them, you know, but I seen, you know, one of them and his brother walking, you know? And I remember I, I, was, I was hooded and I had my mask on and I said, yeah, that was it. I don't know for sure. Like my, my ass was just looking for any Asian, you know, that, that was going to my school. And so I did a U-turn um, and then I pulled up to them and just the, the look of their face, like they just like, if, you, if a car pulling up to you with a bandana and a hood and like you just know it's trouble, you know? And then it, it was his little brother. I said, hey, move your little brother out of the way or he's going to get shot. So the big brother, like, he moved his big brother out of the way. And I shot him in front of his little brother, you know. And, like, I shot him four times. And um, I remember um, I watched him fall, you know. And, and the mindset I was at time was like, yeah, I did it, you know. I didn't run. I didn't, I didn't. I didn't like, like, trying to get away. What I did, I turned the freaking, I put my favorite song on. It was like Bone Thugs, you know, Thugger's Ruggers Bone. I put that on. I bumped it, and I can see all all the cars just moving out of my way after I shot them. Like, and this was right by the school, so there's a bunch of kids like, right, right there walking home from school, you know. And um, I found out that the big brother picked the little brother up to walk him home, so he wasn't even going to that school, you know, and. And I drove away, man, and it's like, I didn't realize he died until the next day. All the homies did school because they know there was going to be a problem, and, and I was sleeping, and, and they was like, hey, dude died, did you know that? And I was like, and at that realization, like, it, I was, it was so shocking that it didn't, I didn't, pr- uh, pr- like, process what the fuck I did, you know? Dude died, and everybody was, like, jumping up and down the bed and all that stuff, you know? But one guy said, hey, you know he wasn't even there when they jumped your sister, you know? And I was like, oh, shit, you know? And so what I did is I went back to what I'm used to, bro. I numbed myself, you know? I freaking picked up my, the, the pipe, and I just, I just went binging on, on speed, you know? It took 30 days before they got me, the FBI and, and the DA office and all that stuff got me in Arizona, you know? At 16, like, I was only out a month. At 16, I was already... I was, Waiting to go back to the Philippines. By 16, they, they caught me, like, they caught me in, um, in Arizona. So you, uh, this this happened in California? Yeah. And you ran to Arizona? Yeah. Knowing that you were, yeah. you were spu- suspect? And yeah, yeah. I, I was in um, the news, all over the news, and because uh, it was in the school, you know. And like you said, you stood there for a minute. You yeah. turned your favorite song on? Yeah. Bone Thugs and Harmony. That used to rob me, like that used to like trigger me, like to get robbed up, you know. Same here, bro. Yeah. Same here. 
So you, you go to Arizona, you kind of numb yourself to it, but at the same time, you're on the run and yeah. you're trying to get away. I mean, you go to Arizona. Who do you know in Arizona? Some of the homies was, was they have, you know, they were going to like some, like mechanic school in Arizona, some IT tech, some mechanic tech. So I was staying with them, you know. And the day I got busted, it was kind of crazy. Like I was playing, I was, I was spun out from speed, you know. And I was playing Mike Tyson knockout. And, and I was playing and I'm like, man, next thing you know, I heard a knock. No, first, one of the, the guys I met in Arizona is like, hey, hold on, I'm going to come back, you know. And where's this fool going, you know? And next thing you know, I heard a knock. And I opened it, it's like, it was one of the homies. The homie opened it, and he was like, hey, um, uh, pest control. I said, oh, so they let him in. It was early in the morning. Next thing you know, I have a gun in my head, like, get out, get out, get out, and all that stuff. And So pest control was the FBI? Yeah, it was, it was the FBI. Because I crossed... State line, it became federal, you know. So that's why the FBI was like after me, you know. Were they were they kind of a just a curious question, bro? Were they dressed as a pest control? Yeah, person. Everything. The only thing that was showing, I guess, there's a like, you know, the jumpsuit, whatever they were wearing, like, was there's an opening it identifies them, you know. Be- okay. I, at that time, like my suicidal tendency. I was ready to go out. I'm, I told myself I'm never going. I'm not going to go. I had I had a gun there. Thank God they were, they fooled the shit out of me. If not, I, I don't know what I would have done. You you, know? you could have potentially gotten a shootout with them. Yeah. Or shot yourself. Yeah, because I glorified it in my head like I'm going to go out blazing. Like you know, everybody going to know about me. You know, like that was really my thought process. Like a, you're like, trying to go out like a martyr. Yeah, yeah. It's you know. Being impulsive, this is the this is my how I condition myself, my state of mind, and 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 with drugs, that's a bad combination, bro. A hundred percent, bro. Methamphetamine has done that to uh, yeah. too many of my homies, bro. Yeah. Where they woke up yeah. the next day with the life sentence <laughs> looming over their existence, and not only are they trying to process what they did. Now they're in a position they got to sober up. Yeah. And now we talk about a couple of weeks after sobering up. I mean, I have homies right now that are doing life to this day that haven't gotten out, bro, mm-hmm. from from murders under the influence of methamphetamine. Methamphetamine is the devil yeah. of drugs, yeah. brother. I had it a long, many years addicted to methamphetamine, bro. You know what I mean? Um, and I know everything about it, bro. And it has ruined a lot of lives. And it's just, it's it's actually interesting, bro. I mean, we're sentencing dudes as they should be sentenced, mm-hmm. but they're not, you're sentenced, now the dude in the courtroom is, is Edwin, right? Not Shorty, yeah. It, but before that, it was Shorty, and it wasn't Edwin. It was Shorty under the influence of the devil's drug, bro. And I'm not trying to fucking, no, I'm not trying, no, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not trying to say, hey, you know, I mean, we got to be accountable for our actions regardless of what we're on, yeah. bro. But if you've ever been on methamphetamine, methamphetamine has changed the best people in the world yeah. to the most evilest people in the world. I mean, when you're not sleeping, bro, when that fucking drug is just fucking. Yeah fucking hammering you dog 
You know what I mean? And to someone you're not, bro. But 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 it feels so good because yeah. we're in this glamorized gangbang world of being a fucking superhero, dog. Yeah. Staying down with the homies and all this shit, dog. And then you wake up to a life sentence to the murder, bro. Yeah. I mean, you were ready to go out in a blaze of glory, you said, brother. They tricked you with the pest control thing. FBI. So homie opens the door, lets pest control in. And what happens from there, bro? So, um, just thinking back, man, like yesterday, I remember you put a gun in my head. Does it feel like yesterday? Yeah. It was like, there's stages in your life, the day you did your crime, the day you got arrested. And this was 26 years ago. Yeah. And it feels like yesterday. Yeah. Go just, ahead, brother. I just, I, I had to just touch on that. Yeah, on like, just the feel of it, the senses, the look, the how you're feeling, that the, it's the same feeling I had when I got released, but I mean, like, you know, there's something that memories that will stay with you for the rest of life, but I remember, like, that's when I was like, fuck, like, it's, I'm done, you know? They got me. And I remember um, I was cuffed up, you have anything to say, and just the, the night before I was watching Law and Order, and like, I want my lawyer, I don't, I don't, have, I don't have a lawyer, you know? I was a broke-ass Filipino, like, but I said, I want a lawyer, like, okay. I said, oh, shit, that worked, I don't have to say nothing, you know? So uh, I remember I was in Arizona, you know, Arizona was trying to make me stay, like, you know, like they were fighting with Riverside mm -hmm. and, and Arizona, like. Extradition. Yeah. Yeah. So they fought for a little bit. I was there and like the whole time I was in Arizona, I was like, they didn't let me out the cell at all. Where are you at in Arizona? Uh, Phoenix, by Phoenix. Okay. There, yeah. And so you're, are you in a, in a juvenile? Yeah, are juvenile you, detention, yeah. Detention, okay. Yeah. So, um. They finally, Riverside finally picked me up. I, re I remember too, um, it's like, I thought they were gonna drive me home, you know? And they took me to the freaking airport, bro. Like, to the airport, 16, like, you know, I was cuffed up, shackled down, like, all the way. And walking through the airport, like, people were just looking at me, you know? Like, like who the hell is this, you know? You're a 16 year old kid. Yeah, 16 year old kid. and. With, you know, with a whole lot of law enforcement yeah. around there was four yeah there's four well-armed law enforcement you know and i remember southwest airlines we flew and they were actually like friendly with me the law enforcement they were giving me sodas and candies and all that stuff you know why i don't know to this day i don't know maybe the look of fear the look of hurt i mean you see some you know you see somebody suffering it's just some people is good enough to recognize the suffering, you know, show a little, show a little compact. I don't know, but they know that I wasn't going to talk. You know? Because I was the only, I was a driver of shooter, so there's nobody, nothing to really talk about. But they just had to know what happened, you know. So I went to Riverside, and, um, and in my head, is like, I remember, like, I was in my knees, bro. I was crying, like, talking to God, you know. And it's like, oh, my God, like, that was my first sign of remorse, you know, whatever that like whatever, the, you know, at that time the word remorse is. So I was like, oh shit, you know, like I was really feeling bad. I started really thinking about it. And in my head is like, you know what? I did it. So I took the, I took, you know, like my lawyer, my lawyer said, you know what? Like you're going to go home. So just take the plea bargain, you know, like, so I took the plea bargain. They told me. Hold on real yeah. quick, brother. So we talked, you talked about just the levels. Mm -hmm. We talked about levels of always basically trying to top the last act 
of breaking the law, of being a criminal, being a gangster, of being accepted in this organization of individuals, mm-hmm. right? Your homies, right? These guys, your new family that accepted you. Mm-hmm. Now, you hit the pinnacle, you hit the top, you committed, you committed murder. Mm-hmm. You committed murder, you get arrested. I mean, you were still, you were high when you got arrested, right? Mm-hmm. You woke up, I mean, did you sleep or were you high in there? I mean, when you woke up and had some type of level-headed sense of you now, you said, all right, I did it. Mm-hmm. Now here I am and now I gotta face this. I mean, you you had already ran, bro, so you it was already processed in your head that you know you hit the pinnacle of, you know, the levels of being a gangster, yeah. you know? I mean, did before you got arrested, did you did you have remorse or did you not feel the remorse in your heart when the handcuffs were put on you? Most most likely is the latter part. You know, I mean, I feel remorse because I got caught. So, like I said, whatever that the fake remorse I felt at that time, thinking like, oh, I feel bad that what I did, I took a life, but I didn't. I wasn't changing though. I didn't want to change. Like this is my still my lifestyle. It happened. I feel bad that he died, but. I was still committed to my to my identity, you know? Because in this culture, in this gangbang culture, it's either them or it's yeah. you. Yeah. You know? And you know, it was them. Like, you know? Yeah. So in my head that was that, that was the thought process. Like it was them. Like I had to do what I had to do. You know, it was them. And thinking that if I take taking his life is gonna stop it's gonna stop them from hurting my that's how warp our belief is. If I commit such a heinous act that it's actually gonna stop the cycle of them hurting my, they're gonna be fearing my neighborhood because of what I did. And they will never touch your sister yeah, again. Yeah, that's, that's the warp belief I, I, believe, I believe that time. And so you sent the message. Yeah. And the message was sent with death. And now here you are, you ran, you're caught, you're walking through the airport, a 16-year-old kid, are you walking the airport with a sense of of of, of pride, a, a sense of, you know, of what's the word when you just get the ultimate, like, I'm, I'm losing the word right now, but the, the ultimate, you, you committed the ultimate act. Are you walking with your head up? Are you, are you proud at the time? When I was walking, when I heard a couple comments like, like whispering to whatever, I didn't like, you know, like, who is that or whatever. You know, at first I, I felt embarrassment. And then when I was walking, like when more people looked at me, I did feel a little prideful, like, you know? And, and it's Be so, fearful of me. Yeah. I ain't to be fucked with. Yeah. yeah. Don't mess with me, like, I'm that guy, you know? You're that guy. And you were that guy. Yeah, at that time. Yeah. So you're, going, you're in Riverside now. Yeah. So, um. The lawyer told me I was gonna go home, just you know, just, just take the the plea, and I, and he said only 15 years, you know, and at that time still American justice system and all that stuff was all foreign to me, you know, and I went to court, and the judge said with gang enhancement and gun, we're gonna give you 20 years to life. I didn't know what to life is. I thought, okay, I'm gonna do 20 years. I didn't even find out what the hell life is until I went to the penitentiary, you know. 
So I got, I remember um, the judge said I had 20 to life. And um, I said, I said, cool. I don't want to go to YA because, you know. And at that time also, it's like, I was thinking, I think it, 96 is just the law pass, you know. Like, you're not going to YA. Like, you're getting adult, you know. You, at first, I thought I was really going to get out of 25. We, we, yeah, we had Pete Wilson back then, yeah. I believe. Yeah, yeah, he was just getting Governor. out. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't, I didn't know um, that that juvenile life you get out of twenty five. But the Lord had to explain to me, no, you're going to penitentiary. You know. So you didn't have an option to get juvenile life. No, no, not at all. Because of my, you know, I mean, they had they had a hearing, you know, but they said no, just because of my crime, I'm getting charged. You know, I'm going to prison for your fitness. Yeah, yeah. So um, so part of the plea is you know like. In life, because they were giving me special circumstances, because they said it was like an execution style, you know. Like, so, so I took the second degree um, gang enhancement and, and gun, you know. And um, so, at you know, the week I turned seventeen, um, they they told me to pack up. I thought I was going, you know, and um, I, I didn't really realize that they're actually going to send me. I thought I was waiting until the eight, I'm eighteen to go to prison, you know. And at eighteen, at, at the week I turned seventeen, they sent me to Tehachapi um, reception. At seventeen. Yeah, the week I turned seventeen, I was still sixteen when I went to Tehachapi. Wow. I turned seventeen that same week. You know? How does it feel to be sixteen, a seventeen-year-old kid going to a fucking grown man yeah. prison, bro? Yeah. Well, I mean, like you, bro, you are a baby, bro. Like you are literally a baby being thrown. I mean, you're a baby in the criminal eyes, but in the in regular society, bro, you're looked at like a fucking animal, bro, and you need to go there, bro. Yeah. But 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 on this side, bro, you're talking to Lucky right here, bro. I'm gonna look at you like a baby coming in, bro. Oh, yes. You know was. what I mean? No. Yeah. No. You know, but 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 we, we gotta we gotta we gotta clarify that no. the society doesn't look at you like no. a baby; they look at you like a monster, no. bro. Yeah, they even have um, a special label for us. That's just. Um, super predators, you know, juveniles, kids that never going to change. They labeled as super predators in the 90s, you know, that's why they were giving life. That was their justification to give life to 16, 17 year old because we're unredeemable. So we're super predators, you know. So um, the week I, I was going to prison, I remember um, they sent me to county and they put me in a tank with, um, with a, Mexi- uh, a South Sider tank. And I was like, oh shit. And the freaking CO. The, the sheriff said, here you go, have fun, you know? And I'm like... They told that to the guys yeah. while well, they put you in yeah. there. Yeah, have fun. Said, have fun. And they put me in there, you know? And one of, you know, one of the things they said, where you from? And then I told them, you know, I'm from TOS. Like, oh, you're not from TRG? No. And I saw three of them walking up to me, like, right? And I was like, shit, I'm about to get either freaking... You know, you hear about prisons, I'm about to fucking get raped and shit, you know? And I was freaking scared, like, okay, I'm going to do everything I can to protect myself. But there was one freaking OG, man, one OG, like, it's like, hey, how old are you? I said, I'm 16. And that right there, like, that's when I knew I was a baby. Like, those people that was about to jump me backed off. She said, damn, bro, you're only 16? Where are you going? I said, I'm going to prison. Like, how much time you got? I got life. Like, and they, like, there's the other compassionate part. And I'm going to keep bringing it up, like, they saw me as a baby. Like, they didn't look at me as a, another rival gang member. They look at me as a kid that's about to be freaking, you know, like, done, done with, you know, 16 years old. And they stopped. 
and the whole energy switched, bro. Like after that OG, he, he sat by me and he explained to me prison rules. Like as soon as you get to the yard, make sure you, you find your own race. Don't sell up another race, just sell up with your own race. You know, you run with the others and all that stuff. And explain to me what the others and all that stuff, you know? I'll never remember. I, I forgot his name. But he know. I think I think somewhere he's going to get rewarded, but he freaking... He was an OG Southsider. He was like like 50, like, bro. Like I think he was there for DUI or whatever, but, you know, for parole violation. But he, yeah. he took me in and everybody else, you know? And then, then we went to the bus. The same OG was whispering in my ear, you know? And another, another Southsider... It's like, look, you're gonna go to reception and all that stuff. But I think you you talked about it too. The transportation, like, correction officer is is the worst, bro. You know. So, well, hold on before you follow with that, bro. I want to just, I kind of want to just highlight what you just said right now, bro. Before they they were about to prey on you, bro. You know, potentially thinking you're TRG, whatever the hell. You know what I mean? And then they realized your age, bro. And they said, you know what? Whoa, back the fuck up. Yeah. Hold up. We need to protect yeah. this little youngster. Yeah. You know, and that is that is a real life. Obviously, it happened to you. Thought process in regards when it comes into the yeah. system and you have these babies that come into the system. Chucky from Lawndale. I took him to the gang module with me in fucking 97 and shit, dog. He was only 16 years old, bro. You know, Fighting a similar case, bro. You know, shout out to that boy right there. I ain't know where the status is where he's at in life, bro. But I wish him the utmost love and fucking respect. But I remember, yeah, he. I was on a pro violation, bro. He was fighting life, bro. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I felt like I needed to yeah. protect yeah. him, bro. Yeah. You know, and and put him up on game, dog, and make sure that he was gonna be okay, dog. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, That's, but but it's that that is that when it comes to the the homies, Southsiders, I I believe it can be across all yeah, races, definitely, bro. Definitely across all races. When you realize that the kid is only sixteen years old, sitting in the same tank with you, and you're a fifty year old man, then you know something. Yeah. You need to fucking intervene and 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 hold on. Yeah. Come here, my G. Come here, bro. Pop pop pop. Put you up on the game that you needed to have to survive. To survive, yeah. bro, and they gave that to you, yeah. and you yeah. said you said in your own words that hopefully one day that man will be rewarded. Yeah. You know, we don't know where he's at, who he is, bro, but that 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 is that is that's the system. Yeah. That's the system, and it's not always about you know praying, even though there's a lot of it happening. But at the same time, you know, we we we, we, we it it actually breaks. It can break a motherfucker's heart, like bro. You 16, dog. What are you doing here with us, dog? You sick. You a baby, bro. The fuck are you doing with these grown men fucking yeah. ba ba ba? But then you find out, you're like, all right. Yeah. You get on the bus. Yeah. Well, it's okay if I if I jump into that. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, that's when, um, that was actually the conversation in the tank like, the whole time. Like, man, that's fucked up. Like, you're, you, why the hell are they sending you to prison? Because, you know, we didn't know about the, the the new laws and all that stuff. Like, there was more pity for me, you know, than anything, you know. And then, and another thing I wanted to bring up is that's why no matter the lifestyle, like no matter what what you 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 believe at that time or whatever, there's that's when I I really realized, you know, to this day that everybody, no matter what, is still there's innate good in them. There, there's something in them that's still good, you know. 
No matter, you know, no matter you're going a, a thousand miles or whatever the word belief or whatever be, be, lifestyle you believe in, but there's still good in you. And, and that's why to this day I'm doing what I'm doing, you know. So I just wanted to comment on that because, man, that, that made me realize, man, no matter our life, no, no matter what game we play, man, there's fucking people are good, you know. And, and there is good individuals, dog. But I've met, I've met individuals, bro, at cool. the time, bro, where I was like, damn. I know. There's no good in this dude. This dude is cold-blooded, bro. Yeah, I'm not speaking. This, this dude does not give a fuck about me. He don't. I mean, if he how if he don't give a fuck about himself, bro, like, and those are the dudes I've been with. Those dudes, bro, and I kept an eye on them motherfuckers, and they were my own people, bro. You know, what I mean, they were my own people, and I would hear. And during these situations where sometimes homies would fuck up and this and that and blah blah blah, and I would and I would just kick back. Bef- I would wait to speak and let them speak, and I would just be interested to hear their perspective in the situation. Do we save the homie? He fucked up, doggy. He got drunk, disrespected the theta, doggy. Do we save the homie? <laughs> but a lot of these dudes are like, hell no, no, he gotta go. Fold them up, put them underneath the bunk, call it good. Like, like, you know, if you're in, if you go to prison and you're trying to look in the good for people, bro, you're it's a it's a, it's a tough business, dog. No, that's that's why. But there are some. Line. That was down down the line. No, that's but there I mean. are some. Yeah. But there are some, bro. There are some, no matter what, bro. You know what I mean? They will they, they will go to bat for you, stick up for you. And those are the dudes, dog. Those are the dudes that I always seen. And I said, man. Yeah, I've been in them. Yeah. Yeah, I've been on four rides, and it, those dudes is the one that got cost the ride. So you know, yeah. Yeah, sorry about that, brother. It just, it just you when no, you're no, telling the story, it takes me no, back to times now. in my shit, dog. I mean, I was in the gang module on a pro violation. Everybody's fighting fucking death penalties, bro. Fuck, I ain't talking about what the fuck I'm in there, but they know, bro. You got to show paperwork and this and that and whoop de whoop whoop, dog. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you they need they didn't know you fucking the, the, what you all that shit, dog. You know what I mean? And yeah, yeah. Anyways, dog, that was that was the nineties. The nineties were really tough, yeah. dog. You yeah. know what I mean? But go ahead, brother. So yeah, um, I end up I did a reception for thirty um thirty days and I got sent to a level four in in GP in Tehachapi, you know, one eighty. And I remember my, my first celly was um. He did, I just did a 10-year shoe, you know. He was from up north. He was a grumpy-ass old man. Like, was he a Pinoy as well? Yeah, he was okay. Pinoy, but I didn't know that he was, like, we didn't know that time he used to run with the northerners, you know, at that time. So, but since he's the other, nobody really, like, you know, nobody, like. Nobody's pressing issues yeah, and digging yeah, digging for dirt. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a little easier in the, yeah, on the others' the rump line. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, they're not, they're not trying to fucking hang you out yeah, to dry and shit. Know, as long as, like. You're not, you're not a, um, you know, if your paperwork, you know, there's no R or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of you guys. No. So whatever you have, you, you, yeah. I mean, you're not trying to fucking get rid of them because yeah. we need every single yeah, person exactly. yeah. in, on, the, on the other rough To us, our mentality is numbers is good, you know, for survival. So, but he was a grumpy ass old man. I was like, man, he just did like all his shoe. And the first advice that same day was like, kid, you know, you're never gonna go home. You're gonna die in prison. Nobody. That's what, that's what he told you. Yeah, this, what he told, this is the first thing, his first advice that I'll always remember. You're never going home. If you get life, you're going to die in prison. Man, that shit fucked me up. Like, man, it's like, that. at that time, that statement, it was it was the statement that I embraced. Okay, I'm going to die in prison. So my life is prison. So, 
And he said, you do everything you can to make a name of yourself in the beginning. And you can kick back when you, when you get older, you know? So, and like, you know, like raising my hand for, you know, for DPs and all that stuff and holding the knives and all that stuff. And since I was younger and, and I went back to my old, you know, my old, when I was 12 years old, like it's the same similar feeling. Like I got to make sure the others is okay. That's my new gang now, you know? Not the, not the TOS when I was out. The others is my new gang. So this is who I'm going to. I'm a other. I'm gonna. I'm gonna embrace this this identity, you know. So it became the others became in a way my my new family, my new gang, you know. And um, like the first the first year was rock. I had three cellies. I fought all three of them because I thought they were trying to tell me what. Well, they were just trying to tell me how to clean and all that stuff because, like, and I'm feeling like they're trying to punk me. Or like, what are you trying to tell me what to do? So I'm always like, I was a trouble kid, you know. And people then, but the homies just like still was showing low compassion because, you know, they always say, that's a kid, that's a kid, you know. I used to get in trouble all the time, you know. What gripes do they have with your cleaning? And we're talking about cleaning. It's, uh, yeah. we're talking about cell living, and and it's crazy. I'll tell you this right now. It's crazy because you got cats that were doing bad on the streets, but all of a sudden we're <laughs> sobered up in a cell and everything's got to be spick and span. <laughs> that's you know exactly what, I'm saying? what it is, everything's bro. Got, homie, I see, bro, you fucking burned every bridge in the you were living in a tent homie you came in with snakeskin boots homie you had athlete's feet all the way up to your motherfucking kneecaps yeah, dog yeah. you were in bad shape and now you want to tell me how to my cleansiness ain't good enough for you motherfucker no I'm i've had real. those sellies i'm telling you this dude like he freaking every single night he, he puts his boxers under the mattress so he can crease that sucker up you know like you those, had some gangster ass other sellies bro he was like he was like he was everything has to be creased he had to have the comb always creasing his shit up like like but anyways it's like he's he used to yell at me like hey man when you clean the the sink it's not shiny enough like you gotta use you gotta use tooth powder you know and you have to scrub it make sure you rinse it out like i'm just hitting that shit with disinfectant like and with the you know it's, it's you're scratching my sink up i'm like what the hell is scratching the sink up you know if you use the wrong uh, green pad and all that stuff. You have to use the sandpaper and all that. So anyway, he's to get mad at me. The the, the, the very soft, yeah, fine grade buff, of sandpaper. Buff, yeah, you that you that you got from some dude that was working yeah. out in the fucking. Uh, you have to make sure the inside of the toilet is shiny too, like those type of. Things. Yeah, yeah, bro. Yeah, on yeah. the real, like it's like that's their car, like you know, like they take pride of their sink, you know, and and I was like, it's clean, man. Like no, man. And then he's like, you have to hit it with the with the dry towel first, and then you grab the wet towel, and then you hit it, and then you hit a disinfect. Like, man, I'm not a kid. Like, in my, in my head, like, well, you know, I'm not a kid, you know. And then, but he, one thing he did tell me that I, I picked up to, whatever I'm telling you right now, you might not be listening, but I'm planting the seeds for later on so you don't get in a fight, you know, like, you don't get in a fight with your other sellies, you know. And which, you know what, all these years he had game, and he taught me a lot of game, you know. And you know what, that's a very interesting uh fact when it comes to cell living is you have cellies bro that are very meticulous mm -hmm. on how they do their cell living yeah you know and um it would blow a lot of people's minds on how clean motherfuckers are Man, in the penitentiary you. yeah you know i've had cellies bro that were fucking dirt bags yeah. 
You know what I mean? And it's just like, dog, you know what I mean? Like, I'm yeah. not a clean freak, dog, but you're a dirtbag, dog. Yeah. Like, come out from yard, dog. And, and jump they'll put, in the bunk. <laughs> yeah, jump in the bunk, homie, with their, you know what I mean? And, and then put their shoes underneath their bunk that was just, like, dirty. Yeah. And I was like, bro, we're like, that shit gonna fall down to my bottom bunk, dog, and we're gonna have a problem, bro, you know what I mean? Like, I'll be out, I'll be in the bottom bunk looking for specks of dust. <laughs> and I'll be like, oh, no, fuck this dude, no. dog. I can't live with this yeah. I've had some dirt bags bro like bro you it would blow people's fucking minds how many fights broke out in cells over motherfucker over a speck of motherfucking yeah. dust dog no, I'm no real like even the bird bat part you come back from the yard and you jump in the bunk and I'm just gonna wait for a shower no bro no you're not gonna sit there in the top bunk no I can smell you from down there you need to bird bat you know yeah. and then when they do bird bat like there's still water in the floor like dirty water like I became that that OG down the line. One hundred percent. I mean, it was the way you're programmed. Yeah. You had no choice, brother. Yeah. I mean, I mean, some people have a choice, but mm -hmm. if you have some some type of like sense of your environment, you will adapt and make sure. I mean, you will adapt these these new things brought to you, bro, and say, hey, all right, yeah, you know, it's a whole new way of living and shit. And when you get an old school sitter like you had, bro. You know what I mean? You 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 will incorporate it into your way of living yeah. doing time. You know what I mean? Especially when you have a life sentence. Yeah. I mean, when you when the old when the OG told you said, "Hey, bro, you're." I mean, this is this is kind of cold blooded if you ask me, bro, because you always want to create a sense of hope. Yeah. I mean, hope keeps you living. You know what I mean? Hope, the, especially if you're, a, you know, if you're doing life, you're doing a, a X amount of years, a stretch. I mean, hope of one day being free again. Will, will keep your, your morale up, you know? And for this dude to tell you, you're never getting out. I mean, how did you digest that? Yeah. I mean, it's it was a shock. Like, it was it's like something that just shocked crap out of my system. And it was like, how the freak, how am I going to uh, process this? Like, and, you know, instead of just, you know, it goes back to being in fear. Like, what do I do? I numbed it, you know? I stopped doing hard drugs, right? When I... I made a commitment, like, I blame, you know, my, my, um, my thinking was, it was the speed that got, that killed that person. As long as I, I don't touch the speed, I won't, be, I won't be doing no, no crazy ass shit, you know? But I, I picked up alcohol. Pruno, I became, for the first 10 to 15 years, Pruno and white lining. I was the guy that was sending money orders for a freaking couple, you know, couple white, um, white lining. Courts. Yeah, 90, in the 90s, they were making fire too, because we still have sugars and, and and sugar cubes in the store and, and ketchup, tomato, tomato paste. That's so, cool. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and there's something like they used to be proud of like, look, look at like when they used to light their, their you know, and flames come out, that's when you know it's pure, you know? And then, um, so I became a, a town drunk and always getting in trouble, you know? And at 2000, when I was uh, 19 years old, we had a riot, our fir my first riot was with the whites, you know? And I got shipped to, um, like you no, know, now you can arise like one, well, like one month you'll be or a couple of weeks you'll be out in the yard or whatever. But I started my first whole time. I started eleven months waiting to go to the bay. The reason I waited so so long was they just had that big riot, you know, like in the two thousand with the with the blacks and like those two hundred um, um, incarcerated people that got in the fight. And I remember I, I wrote my I, I wrote my mom like, hey, I'm going like I'm, I'm getting transferred, and she wrote back. Anywhere but Pelican Bay, and it's like, oh crap! Like I'm going to Pelican Bay, and, and then like, 
that uh, my sister told me down the line that really scared her because they saw everything on the TV. You know what happened in Pelican Bay that 2000. You know? Well, I went to I went to Pelican Bay 2000. And I was once again 19 I, years old. Yeah, and Pelican Bay. You know, we all we all heard notorious Pelican Bay. You know. So I thought that I had to ha- act even harder, you know, like it's the cream of the crop. Yeah, it's the Nike. Yeah, it's the Jordan. Yeah, it was. It's. It's. This is where, um, you know, you, you get in trouble. You know, you're gonna you're gonna hear from the homies, and you know, it's just it's just a, a kind of way. You know, what I'm saying to get uh, they'll hear everything you're doing. So let me ask you a quick question, bro. So uh, during this whole time, now you're 19 years old, bro. I mean, do you have contact with your homies that are on the streets? Mm-hmm. You have no contact. Zero. And, and so how big was your neighborhood or is the neighborhood that you're from? Was it a small neighborhood? Yeah, it's a small neighborhood. Does it still exist? Yeah, it's, it's still around. Okay. Yeah. And it's out there in Riverside? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Go ahead, yeah. brother. Sorry. So, um, yeah, you know, um, like, let's see. The, the four years I was in Pelican Bay, I did six whole times and two shoot terms. And then I was like, I, need, I wanted to go back because. Wait, wait, bring, rewind that back. You did what? Uh, six whole times and and two shoot terms. Just that four years, I was you know Go, going into Pelican Bay. When I was in Pelican Bay. So let, let's talk about let's let's hold on. Let's talk about your initial uh, entrance into Pelican Bay. Mm-hmm. What how, what was that like? I mean, like when I got there, you know, it's I, it's hard to explain. It's just it's normal to me, like. Okay, this is part of this is just a part of my journey, you know. Like, were you nervous? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, every single time, you know. But I mask it, of course. You know, I have that mass of toxic, you know, masculinity, and like, I thought I was badass, you know, like, you know, because the stuff I was already doing in Tehachapi, always getting in trouble, like, you know, like, and then I came came out, you know, like just doing a riot. So I, I thought I was even more of a badass, you know, and then I try to embrace that, like, you know what, I'm gonna be more of a badass because I'm. It seems like the more I get scared, the more I I, I, I try to act like I'm more of a, a badass, you know, to hide my fear, you know, just to mask it, you know. So I was there, 19 years old, and I kept getting in trouble, you know, like I'm, I'm constantly making knives, you know. I volunteered to hold the homie's knife and all that stuff, bringing it out. I keep getting caught and all that stuff, you know, doing DPs and stuff, you know. Uh, but the one thing I do remember, you know, that's why I kind of knew, like, the gangbanging stuff in the street was, was, was kind of, like, Played out in my eyes. I have, I met somebody in Pelican Bay that the person that killed's really close cousin, you know, and it's like, all right. They killed a close cousin of yours? No, um, the, no, the person that killed his cousin hit the line, you know, and so. Yo, hold on, bro. Let me understand this. The person that killed? No, the the person I killed. Okay, his yeah. cousin. His cousin. Hit Sorry the about line. that, bro. Yeah, yeah. His cousin hit the line. So I was like, okay. And this is an Asian dude. Yeah. This now another a part of your yeah, Ronfla, yeah. your car. Yeah. And I was like, okay, it's going to happen, you know? And then, um, and I shot him a, a kite. I shot him a, a, a note. I said, hey, bro, like, for me, that's happened in the street. But if you want to do something, just, you know, we'll meet in the yard, get your knife, and I have my knife. We'll meet in the middle of the yard, you know? That's how stupid I was. Like, I shot him a freaking kite, you know? And I got a kite back. No, man, that shit is in the street. We're going to leave it in the street. And like, I was like, okay. This dude's in the same yard with you in Pelican yeah. Bay. Yeah. What, and what is he serving time for? He was there for, um, I think, attempted murder. Because he was in Pelican Bay. He was doing attempted murder. Not, the, not one of my homies or something, but he was there for something else, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So um, 
that's when I was like, okay, but I really thought that something was going to happen, you know. So um, I did four years. I did everything I can to get the hell out of Pelican because one thing about, about everything, every single month, no matter where I was, my mom visited me and my sister, you know. I mean, they were my rock. I took, I, in the first, the first stages of my, I'm in prison, I took my family for granted. I was calling them, I was lying to them about money orders and all that stuff, you know. I used to freaking, I got addicted to poker and dice game in Pelican Bay. And I used to get in debt and I'd be lying, hey man, like I needed another, uh, uh, he's gonna give me a package, can you send me three, four hundred dollars and all that stuff, just lying to them. I mean, I was just a dirtbag. I was just one of the, like, the people that, you know, look down, like if you can take advantage of your family, you have no value, you know. And that's who I was back then, you know. So, um, I got in a, a battery on 2004 and they sent me to New Folsom. Before we go to New Folsom, uh, you you had said prior that you had done a shoe. Did you do a shoe while you're in Pelican Bay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so let, let, let's talk about doing a shoe program in Pelican Bay and why you ended up in a shoe program in Pelican Bay. Yeah, the first one was um, a knife. They found a knife, you know, and um, I did about six months there. How did they find a knife? Well, my dumbass was going to work, and I had those um, muscle, you know, those, you know, when you put the amino acids. Yeah. But there was pruno in it. Like, I was like, my, my seller said, hey, man, drink that before you go out of the yard, you know? And I said, nah, I'm going to take it uh, to work, give it to the homies. No, we're, gonna, we're all going to drink at work, you know? At that time, though, it was just the Mexicans and the blacks, and, and we're all locked down because of that big riot still. And then, um, and it was just all homies at the... Um, at the working in the kitchen, yeah. So I came out, and you know, I wrapped my 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 jacket around the the um, the, the jug, and say, "Hey, what's um what's in there?" I said, "Oh, don't worry about it. Just pruno. I'm gonna go to work. I'm just gonna drink it. There. I won't drink it in the yard, you know." You I, you tell the seals yeah, that the, the sergeant. I mean, his name was um, Ochoa. Be People in the shoe know Ochoa, and like. And so it, obviously, you feeling comfortable to say, "Hey, bro, it's just pruno, dog." Yeah. Let me slide through. Yeah. Obviously, it was something that was uh, just like look past. Yeah, I mean, like I'm because they they caught me already in the yard drinking and like you know, and then there's one time I almost passed out in the yard and the, and the CEO called one of the homies to take me back to the cell. I thought it was you know like okay like whatever you know I'm not causing trouble whatever, so I told him it's like I got cuffed up, put in the shower, and then searched searched my house. Like that was that was you know for them to search the house. And then they found a knife, and that was my first time, you know. Okay. And so you, so you go to the shoe mm -hmm. for your first time, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And when you're in Pelican Bay, I mean, the shoe program could be potentially looked at like just, hey, you know what, it's just a part of the program. I mean, I'm, I'm on timeout right now. Yeah, but, that's exactly vacation. That's what they would say. You're going on vacation. Yeah. I mean, usually when you get out of the hole or a shoe program, you, you now it's time to, oh, yeah, I get it, bro. Yeah, you can be looked at like that, too. Some people maybe look at it the opposite, but it's vacation time. You're going to get put on a timeout. Uh, then vacation time consists of consolidary confinement, yeah, you know. And so how was your going to the shoe program at Pelican Bay, which is very notorious, mm -hmm. um, how was that experience? And what, what, what was the process of that? Yeah, um the shoe program to me was, I hate to say it, I was comfortable, you know? Why were you comfortable? Because there was a lot of structure, you know? Like, and, and the structure make you feel comfortable? Yeah, the structure was the unpredictability of the yard or whatever. 
I actually feel like, because you know, when you're in a 180 yard, there's constantly, you never know. It could, anything can pop off, riots and all that stuff. But you're in the shoe, you're actually feels, I hate to say, you know, but you know, I'm only speaking for myself. Yeah. Like, I felt comfortable because I'm out of the element of I can just focus, like just relax, you know, like, you know. Vacation. Yeah, vacation, you know, that's when you do your, I didn't, I didn't know how to read, write, you know, and all that stuff. And that's when I was really like focusing on reading and writing and learning how to draw and all that stuff. And then, um, and just like a set program, a set program in prison, you know, you're not hypervigilant, you're not always looking over your shoulder, a set program, you feel comfortable, you know? I mean, to this day, when I was, the 24 years, I enjoyed lockdowns. Because it was a time to reflect upon yourself. Yeah, it yeah. was it was like, you know what? I don't got to worry about all these elements, yeah. you know, which are fucking up, 1,000% crazy, yeah. you know? Now I'm confined to my own space yeah. and my own head. I mean, who was your cellie? I mean, what kind of cellie did you have in Pelican Bay? I actually got lucky because there wasn't that much other in um in the shoe, so I had the whole time I was single cell, you know. And is that is that I mean, some people, if you're in solitary confinement, I mean, uh, they can look at it a different way and say, hey, you know what? Like it's a uh, that can be a uh, detriment to being cell by yourself because you have nobody to talk to, even though you have the theater and you have vents, you can talk to people oh, and no. shit, you know what I mean? But some people would enjoy maybe having a celly yeah. to, to share, um, you know, just some camaraderie, just like uh, day-to-day shit, run a program together, you know what I mean? Yeah. Have conversations, you know? Yeah. And so you said you got lucky because there wasn't a lot of others. And so when you hit this shoe program in Pelican Bay, I mean, what was the program there like what? What? What was kind of what was the morale of the tier? You know what I mean? That that was like the first time I was kind of like I felt lucky. Not, I, I can't say luck, but luck. Uh, like the pod was close. No matter if you're northerner, blacks, uh, you know, southerners, like they asked, "Hey, you active?" And I said, "Yeah." And so like they, sh- every race shot me soups and, and all that stuff. You know. Every race. Yeah. Every every race in the shoe program yeah. in Pelican Bay, since you were active yeah. and you were around a bunch of other dudes that were active, yeah. they wanted to make sure they looked out yeah. for you. Is that a so I've never been to Pelican Bay, bro, shoe, bro. I've never been to Pelican Bay, period, bro. Mm-hmm. So is that what happens when you enter the shoe program and they feel you're active? You got blacks yeah. shooting you stuff, all no, the Yeah. What? I mean, my experience, you know, like I said, I can depends on what pod you are. We have we understand that if you're active, you know, we're we, We'll look out for each other. I mean, if it's time of business, whatever, but we're already struggling, why even make it worse, you know? Yeah. So we'll make sure that we all look, look out for each other. We, the, main, the, the main thing was books. Like, in the, in, in the shoe, the book is prominent. We're shooting each other books. We have understanding. And then when you make your canteen list, you, you put a, a small percentage of your canteen to make sure that everybody in the tier gets a little piece of, you know, because everybody's different drawings, you know? So we're shooting chips to each other's soups and all that stuff, like because we're already struggling, why make it worse? I mean, when it's time to come, whatever, if the door open, you're both in the chair, you do whatever you gotta do, but there's an understanding. But at the same time is, you know what? If you're in the cell, you're active, you know, and we, we were like, we were like closed, like, you know, we were, every morning we say, no matter what race, we say good morning to each other. You know, we respect each other. We don't flush the toilet after, you know, 10 o'clock and all that stuff. So like, we have an understanding, you know? And, we, and each cell takes turns of, Who's gonna clean the shower? Because you get a, when you clean the shower, you get an extra lunch and all that stuff from from the CEO. You know. And, and what kind of lunch are we getting? Sack lunch. 
I mean, it's, we say sack lunch. I mean, and, and only sandwich. Some stay, like I stay away from. There's one like it's just I don't know how to explain it. The you cat know food. I, yeah, that sucker was that. <laughs> the like, cat food, right? One time tr- trying to give it, seagulls will eat anything. They came in the tub or some shit. But that too, but yeah. it was like something they gave, and I gave, like, we used to feed the seagulls all the time. And I asked, I, I threw one, and they won't even touch it. Yeah. So if freaking seagulls won't touch that sucker. Why the hell? What the what are they feeding us, bro? Check it out, bro. The, the, I want to share a quick, yeah, no, short no. little story, bro. So. At 18 years old, I hit Susanville mm-hmm. State Prison, bro, right? And when I hit that yard, there was a <laughs> Chachilla. <laughs> At 18 years old, I hit Chachilla, you know what I mean? And I was sucking a lot of titties, you know what I mean? Can you imagine, dog? I would love to share that story, dog. Oh my God, talk about heaven, you know what I mean? Fucking the bull dykes, everything that moved, you know what I mean? Everybody's getting some of this shit, you know what I mean? Uh, but anyways, uh, there was a dude that they, a white dude, they called shitty. <laughs> they called shitty, dog. You know what I mean? And I was like, why the fuck they call this dude shitty? And he was like a popular dude. He was like a he was like a novelty on the yard, bro. Hey, what's up, shitty? All all races. What's up, shitty? Tell the white dude. You know what I mean? I was like, why the fuck they call this dude shitty? You know what I mean? And as I as I got uh, adapted into the yard after X amount of time, I realized why they call Shitty, because it didn't matter where Shitty was at on the yard, the seagulls found him. <laughs> and, and, and I'll tell you this right now, if you've never been shitted on by a seagull, Man. a seagull a seagull will, Wham. one shit will hit you three times. Yeah. You know what I mean? Pop, 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 pop. That motherfucker just. It's like a machine gun. <laughs> yeah, like no, it could, cause it's just watery, yeah, bro. Yeah, it's water. And it just hits you on the head. Then that same shit will bounce to your shirt, hit your knee, but it didn't matter, bro. This dude was cursed by the seagulls. I don't know what he did, bro, in his past life, dog, that the seagulls had it out for him, bro. He, any place in the yard, he got shitted on, dog. And so his he, he, he held up to his name on shitty, dog. But we have a saying, though, if you get shitted on, we always, like, Oh, you're gonna get some money, like so. We changed the the narrative. Oh, you got shit on you, lucky bastard. You're gonna get a money order soon. <laughs> the, and 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 that's just another interpretation of yeah. of you know what I mean of what some might think of good luck. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Me personally, I never got shitted on. But then again, I was only getting like $20 money orders a month, bro. So maybe I needed to get shitted on, though. Because <laughs> living off of $20 a month, bro, two cases of soups, three bars of soap, right. one jar of Folgers, and call it good, fool. You know what I mean? And hopefully that speed stick is still fucking <laughs> doing its thing, dog. Even in a hole, you can't live off $20, bro. It's bro, I yeah. lived off $20 a month a gang of times, bro. I mean, anyways, you must that's. You be hustling. Just a. Well, I, I tried doing different hustles. I tried doing cards. I tried doing fucking some fucked up tattoos. I remember I was doing a homie from Gardena. They called him Malo from Gardena, dog. And he had a big G13 on his stomach, dog. You know what I mean? We put the pattern on, dog. You know what I mean? But he was a fat boy, dog. You know what I mean? And I remember I went I went to do the line, and his fucking stomach rolled, dog. And I said, and he said, he said, hey, fool, what the fuck, dog? And I said, dog, you moved, fool. He goes, I didn't move. And I said, well, your stomach did. You know what I mean? You know, and, <laughs> anyways, he was upset, but one of the homies came through and said, man, fool, give me that shit, dog, and hooked him up, dog, you know what I mean? And he probably has that fucking crazy line to this day, dog, maybe, you know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. But anyways, brother, go ahead, dog, you yeah. know what I mean? So, well, 
Where was I Pelican Bay, bro. Yeah. Pelican Bay, uh, everybody is, sh I mean, you oh, shot a percentage, you shoot program, you shot a percentage mm -hmm. uh, to the cats that didn't have that draw, bro. There was obviously a com camaraderie going right there amongst all races. You know what I mean? I mean, Pelican Bay is the upper echelon of the shit, yeah. dog. You know what I mean? Whatever, whatever goes in Pelican Bay trickles down all the way down fucking California, up and down, all up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it oh, is, it is, yeah. it is fucking, it yeah. is the, uh, what do you call that thing that the judge slaps down, bro? You know what I mean? Cavalier. Yeah, it is, it is law. Yeah. It is rule, bro. Yeah. And if you come from Pelican Bay, bro, you, I mean, you can, you can pass this down to the other prisons. This is, this is the, the the template that gets passed down in regards to living and shit. So, I mean, you're in there and it's not too bad, right? Yeah. I mean, I, of course, you know, like a normal mind was like, we'll look at it. But we, I don't think people realize is humans is, we're great adaptability. You know, no matter what situation you put us, we're a program to survive. You know, whatever we got to tell our head, whatever, how messed up or how warped or how how delusional we're going to tell whatever we need to tell ourselves you know to to survive that moment like and at that time is like i adapted in my head like you know my survival instinct pick, picked up you know like i conform okay this people's doing shoe terms 10 20 years like whatever you know and they must be doing something to be so freaking like fortitude like you know really really have foundation and I learned a lot in that, you know, there were, you know, like how, what's respect and structure and all that stuff. Like, and at that time I was like, whatever they were saying, it was like, it was like you said, it was gold, you know, I was, I was feeding, I was eating whatever they were saying, you know, they were, they were saying that, um, and so anyways, and I thought I was finally going to get transferred, you know, one thing is. How much time did you do in the Bay? I mean, in that shoe program at the time. The first one was eight months. Eight months. Second, yeah. second one was. Second one was program failure, so they added more time. I did uh, almost two years, you know, like okay. a year and a half, you know. And so, for someone that's never been in in, a, in, a, in that type of environment, bro, you know what I mean? And obviously, you, you gotta you, you talked about it, bro, of just accepting it, survival. You know what I mean? Survival mode. I mean, did you were you ever around uh, in th that environment where you knew dudes were losing it, bro? Weren't weren't adapting to to what was put forth in front of them. Oh yeah, there was actually um one of our, you know, one of the guys that was there that was there already there for four years. He snapped, bro. How did he snap? He snapped like we're sleeping, and next you know he just started banging the 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 you know the sink with his you know like just started hitting it and just started yelling, bro. Like he just literally snapped, you know. And then they took him out, you know, like and then he came back and. He said, I can't do this no more or whatever. So, you know, we labeled them as non-active, you know. And dude was like, he was just throwing feces in the tear and flooding his, his cell all the time. And I was like, he was just like, he was just like, you know, like he just couldn't take it. He was doing the stuff that is a no-no inside the pot, you know. Loud, like TV's loud, you know, because he had a speaker in his TV for some reason. like, And he was bumping it and all that stuff, like playing loud, you know, like interrupting people playing chess and all that stuff you know chess is like is you know you can kill four hours playing chess you know we always trying to find something to kill studying playing chess with each other and all that stuff you know calling out the number and and he was in like we couldn't even shoot line to each other because he's intercepting it and throwing feces and trying to steal whatever the kite is and all that stuff so but then he went to you know he 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 went to his like transition like house like you know if you want to you know like drop out you can go to a transition whatever like transition 
I forgot what is it, THS. Is, and is there is there benefits of doing that? I mean, in, I mean, just in regards to someone that said, I can't do it no more. I mean, what is what is what does the CDC offer for someone that says, hey, you know what? I'm going to drop out. I can't do it no more. Did, that's when they get sent to a transitional house because they no, debrief. Not a, yeah, not a transit like a transit building. You know, okay, like people that debriefing. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And what like, is debriefing for those that don't know? Giving up like whatever information you know, just give up information about you know the the people you're wrong with. You know. Okay. So yeah, so um yeah, but I I seen it like it's just like he was so like he was so calm, quiet, and then one day he just like I don't know like mental break. You know, it takes a lot. I mean. I just you know like a lot of respect to those people like you know in the shoe like it takes a lot to 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 stay be sane you know and like and like not necessarily like you know like put together but at the same time it's just like mental fortitude like strong willed people you know because of what they face you know in the shoe term you know yeah I mean hundred percent bro. What kind of books were you into while you were in there? I started off Robert Jordan, like Wheel of Times, and I was reading all that stuff, you know. But then I started, you know, they started introducing me, you know, the the forbidden books, you know, you're not supposed to have this shoe, The 48 Loss of Power, Art of Seduction, Sun Tzu, Art of War, and Book of Five Rings, and stuff like that, you know. You know, Black Heart, um, you know, like all that what stuff. What is the Black Heart? Uh, it's a Chinese um, book that cutthroat business you know like uh, it's not black it's black um red red mind black heart, but i can't like exactly remember but yeah it's something about being a cutthroat when it comes to business like they're using the outer war philosophy in a business world you know gotcha like so like you know like that's when people start getting militant reading you know reading those type of books and and uh, and that's what i was reading you know then I started reading about philosophies and stuff. Mind you, like I have to skip words. You know, I'm still, I'm the first, I'm the guy that 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 failed GED. You know, so I, I was like, when it comes to education, I was already ditching school and and I was and I'm also immigrant. But I was like, okay, every word I don't know, I'll write it down. You know, that's how I taught myself how to speak, speak English, um, read English, and write English and all that stuff. You know, in a shoe. Wow. Yeah. Self-taught. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. okay. they used to they used to be honing on like those those guys like education man education is how you combat this you have to you have to teach yourself youngster you know you got to keep your mind growing yeah you can or else you still be stagnant you be stuck you know and that's when you can potentially yeah. start facing you know what's really in front of you yeah. you got to keep on throwing smoke screens in front of you yeah your mind your brain yeah you know yeah. follow the program. Yeah. Talk to everybody on the tier, you know. How to carry yourself inside prison, supposedly. You know. Yeah. Okay. So you you get out of uh, you get out of Pelican Bay. Yeah, I got out of Pelican Bay. The second time was for a battery on the um, on the inmate. That was my charge. Um, it was um, it was it was crazy too. Like, it was um, a white boy and one of the homies from um, a Long Beach, and. They were like over stupid stuff, bro. Like he was slamming, um, like fruit cocktail, slamming on the tray because we're, we're working in the kitchen, and it was getting all over the white boy, you know. Like and and he's like, "Hey man, can you stop? Can you stop slamming um the the fruit cocktail? Like it's getting all over my shirt." He just started kept doing, it, you know. 
And it's like, stop it. And then the homie, like, you know, he's the one on them, like, you know, wild child kid, like, pushed the white boy, you know? And it was like, it was just a couple of white boys. At that time, I told you, everybody was locked down except for the whites and the others. And the homie was like, um, just let them fight. Let them fight. Go in the back and let them fight. In my head, in my, in my head, like, no race should ever touch, you know, no race should ever touch, you know, my race, you know. So when they're about to fight, there's no good. There's no one on ones. Yeah. What you're saying? Yeah, yeah. So when they're about to fight, I jumped in. Like I took off first. I'm the one. Like before they even started, I started fighting. Like I started fighting. You know, I had to run across the. You know, because I was the main cook, I had to run across the line and started fighting them. And that was my second, like my shoot term. You know. And you had a good job. Yeah. Oh, I, I made it to a main, a main lead cook. You know, I was the one that lead cook is about the job. Like you lead cook, you you break off the portion. You know, I was a, a crook. I was the one like taking little food to the side and then breaking off my, my kitchen workers, you know, like I was the one getting extra food, passing out the jellies for the wine and all that stuff. But you know. I mean, how did, I mean, how long did it take you to get to that position as a main as a main cook in Pelican Bay, correct? Actually it was it was like uh, about six not even not long because everybody keep getting sent to the hole or, or getting the fire or you know, the sen- it goes by seniorities, you know, getting yeah. transferred and all that stuff. You know? Yeah, so it's it's potentially, uh, it's in a, an environment like that, it's easy to move up the ranks yeah. because of yeah. the individuals that are <laughs> that are exactly. that are in position yeah. of the jobs, exactly. right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, You know, so you can move up fairly quickly, you know, and you can lose your job fairly quickly like you did, yeah. you know what I mean? Because of the caliber of individuals that are in that. Yeah. I mean, and some people wouldn't imagine... Um, the the type of environment of working in a kitchen, working in a kitchen in a, on a in Pelican Bay, bro. Like I mean, you know, if everything's moving smooth, it's re- re- moving smooth. Everybody's respecting each other. Yeah. The homie ain't fucking slapping the fucking uh, cocktail fruit that's splattering on the shit. I mean, the, the littlest things. No. Um, and that environment yeah. really counts and matters. Yeah, I don't think people understand that, like no. Like I haven't really, pe- I haven't really heard people talking about f- starvation. is is such a big thing in prison. Like you just said, twenty dollars an hour, twenty dollars a month is like you probably you know starving. You have to rely on on state food and all that stuff, you know. So having a kitchen job, man, that's like it's it's so lucrative and rewarding. You can even make sandwiches and sell it in the tier, you know, like for a dollar. It's just an egg sandwich. You throw in the cheese, you can throw in fifty cents, dollar fifty. There's cheese in the in the egg sandwich, you know. And so, as you as a lead cook, I mean, how well, what what were you, everybody's eating this, but what are you eating as a lead cook? Oh, man, like, people from from the tiers are like, hey, man, I'm going to shoot you some soups and whatever, just grill it. It Doesn't matter the taste, as long as it's grilled and it's cooked, I mean, they're happy, you know, like. It's something different. Yeah, I just throw some, like, lettuce and all that stuff, like, and and, and then just grill the the, the soup and some meat in it, drain the meat with all that sloppy ass you know, gravy and all that stuff, and oh, they're happy, you know, like, oh my, like, here, here's $10 and all that stuff, you know, and it's free, and I'll keep my half for whatever they shot me, you know. So it's an amazing hustle. It's a hustle. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. Go ahead, brother. Sorry about that. No, it's okay. Um, Yeah, um, Pelican Bay, you know, it's, you know, it was, it was, I learned a lot. I, I did a lot of, at that time, I thought growing up. To me, growing up is becoming a better, you know, a better convict, you know, whatever, whatever the label is. And I was becoming, you know, respectful and I keep going in and out and 
I'm, people started looking at me as like, instead of trying to deal with, you know, deal with, you know, like trying to get me in trouble, like they started actually listening to me. Like, you know, a young age, like 21, 22, people started to respect me just because of my knucklehead mentality, you know, like, and then like people started listening to me and, and to my head, like, oh my God, that's the respect. You know, like people started respecting me. So I really, you know, like really started to really embrace, like I'm a guy in prison and then might as well make a name out of myself, you know. So I did, I did my second shoot tournament and I went to um, New Folsom in 2004, you know. And real quick before we talk about New Folsom, bro, what is the difference between an inmate and a convict? Man, both, to be honest with you, like in my eyes, I don't like either word, you know. It's dehumanizing on the, on the people. You know, I always say incarcerated, but to them, convict is like you know, like a con. Like you, you know, you, you did the time. You know, you you're real suited for this game and all that stuff. It may is just you know, like my mentality was like it may is just a number. You know, like you're just doing time. Like you're not really part of the program. You know. Absolutely. Yeah. So you go to Tehachapi. Um, New Folsom. New Folsom. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. I didn't know Folsom. I mean, it's another level four, one eighty, and and I mean, it was it was same same routine. Like, it doesn't matter where I went, it felt the same. Prison is prison, you know. Yeah. Like, especially in the one eighty, and I I got comfortable in the one eighty, and I was still doing all that stuff, you know. And and then the phone got introduced around that time, you know. And I was like, I latched into that phone, bro. Like, that was my another form of my addiction. Something about phone is just, you can really get addicted to having a phone in yourself. You know, like, all you care about is just go, jumping on the phone because it's, it's, it's so rewarding and it's, and, and, and it's like, it's like so much instant gratification, and, you know, looking at videos and porn and all that stuff. It's like, phone was like, oh my God, like, this is what I, this is what I strive for, you know? I remember the first time I got, I got caught with the phone and it's the first phone that was, that ever, discovering New Folsom and they didn't know what the hell to do, how the hell to wrap me up. So I was in the hole for three months and like, and they finally dropped it like contraband, you know, cause they didn't, they didn't know what, how to write up a, a cell phone, you know, 2000, 2004, 2005. And then, um, but that was my, like my main thing. It was just trying to hustle enough to get a phone. Like for that five years, you know, that's all I did was like cell phones, trying to hustle. So, you know, I was even selling and all that stuff, you know, like weed and, and, and drugs and all, you know. Are you using at the time? No, I was just drunk. I, okay. didn't, I didn't even like weed because, like, I just makes me like makes me eat all my canteens. So like my rationale, <laughs> like I can't be eating no goddamn canteens. So I just like you know drinking is like my thing, you know. Absolutely, brother. Yeah. Sorry to laugh at it, but it's, no, it's it is, true. It is a little funny. No, bro. it is like like that was my delusional like man. I, I, I'm not gonna smoke because I don't want to eat my food in the canteen. You know. It's gotta last for the month till yeah. the next draw. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Absolutely. So yeah, um, uh, around 2009, like I remember you know, getting in trouble again. I think that was my first sign of my, my, my you know. Are you good? Oh yeah, I'm good. Okay. My transformation, like I remember um, this canteen lady, you know, Miss Helen, right? She's like, Shorty, come here. And I was like, what's up, Miss Helen? You're working for me. I'm like, what? You're going to work in the canteen? Like we all know canteen is a flush job. That's I mean, why do all the Asian homies get the canteen know, jobs, bro? Just Straight because up, bro. The reason, okay, I'm gonna tell you right now. The re- reason, reason the Asian, the others, is always the can- always has the canteen, the laundry, because 
Mexicans and blacks are always on lockdown. Yeah. So like, it's when, pro- and there's probably too many politics involved with yeah, these dudes. Definitely. And then I can, I being a canteen worker, I can deal with every race, you know. Yeah. And so, um, so it's just like, shorty, you, you know, people in the yard knows I'm shorty. Shorty, you're working for me. Like, no, Miss Helen, I don't want to, you know. And then it's like, work for me. And then it's like, you know what? I'm gonna get free canteen. You know, I can, I can hide, you know, stuff in the canteen because they, they, you know, they don't really search it. That was my mentality. So hold on, real quick, bro. Because I was, I have been always curious about dudes that work the canteen, dog. And we, you know, we we always think, bro, like, you know what? No, there's got to be like mad benefits working for canteen, bro. You have no idea. So I mean, I don't want to expose too much game, bro, because (laughs) I don't want to. But I think it's kind of like it's. It, it, it's kind of a given almost, bro. But so when dudes are working canteen, bro, I said, I don't want to expose game, but I'm still going to ask them the question. Yeah. I mean, so when dudes work canteen, bro, I mean, the canteen lady, um, she's obviously a staff. Mm-hmm. She's just a, a regular person that lives Free in staff. town or yeah. something like that. You know what I mean? And and she wants to feel safe. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want no problems in her little fucking canteen area. You know what I mean? And she's got to deal with a lot of tough dudes that come into the window about first draw, second oh, yeah. draw, third draw, this, yeah. that, whoop, 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 you didn't give me this, you know, all kinds of sh- drama amongst fucking high-level criminals. I mean, how are how are how is the homies rewarded working canteen? You said like they get hooked up. Like, yeah. do you need to do you need to have money or books if you're working canteen? No, you don't. I mean, actually, um, for a while I was just the way I was eating is from from. Working and can the hustling and can't you know. And so, I mean, it's interesting, brother. You know what I mean? I don't want to expose too much game, but like, it, can you speak a little bit on that? Yeah, I mean, I pretty much, you know, even the correction officers, they know what's up. Yeah. Like they'll they'll have me a list. Hey, uh, shorty, get him in the list. He'll give you five dollars. You know, like, and get him in the front. Give him. He'll give you like even. The, no, there was always hookups yeah. up to get bumped yeah. up. You yeah. yeah yeah. So that's yeah. a hustle right there to get bumped up in front of the line. Yeah. You know what I mean? And because sometimes you, you can be your number can be fucking. Oh no, really? Like especially it depends on what building you. You know, I mean, in the one eighties, we don't have all day yard. You know, one eighties is every other every every other day is a yard. You know? And you never know when you're gonna go on exactly, lockdown. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So especially we all know like we give each other respect in that yard. Like, hey, something's about to happen. So what had happened? Hey man, I gotta go to the store. You know, like I'll give you twenty dollars. Just get twenty dollars. I'm gonna leave twenty dollars in the books and just get it. You know. Yeah. So it's just it's stuff like that. I mean, especially I was really, really like I remember my respect to everybody and and people. Hey man, shorty, grab a couple of dollars or grab this or grab a honey bun or grab this. You know. Like, yeah, absolutely. My celly was like, man, he was like, what you got in the bag? Every time I go home, <laughs> what you got in the bag? Oh, you the. And if you got a dude that's working the canteen and that's your celly, bro, yeah. like you eating fat, no, dog. No, you eating fat. So how, like, and I know this for a fact, bro. That like the the canteen lady, dude, whoever it is, usually a lady for some yeah. reason. You know what I mean, but like, is she just like, hey, all right, we're done for the day. Yeah. I mean, get what you want. Yeah. 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 No, no. Not, and, and when get what you want, is there is there like want, a limit? Should, I don't know. <laughs> I should be exposed <laughs> to this, but there is a thing called write off. You know, like. Hey, oops, the bag is open. Go take it. It's damaged. Oh, you. 
lucky bastard. I think I'm going to get trouble, but I think. <laughs> I mean, I think it's a known fact, yeah, bro. Yeah, it's yeah. a part of the business, yeah. bro. You yeah. know what I mean? Nobody's losing money, bro. It's just the benefits of having certain jobs, yeah. bro, in the, in the prison system, bro. Like, if you're the lead cook, bro, you making yourself yeah, fucking, exactly. fucking breakfast burritos when everybody else is just eating, eating. breakfast. <laughs> Whatever that consists yeah. of, you know what I mean? Yeah. You happen to have access to fucking the tortillas and everything else, you know what I mean? <laughs> bro, I am loving this conversation, dog. This is and and this is and this is the love of just memories in the past, bro. And and it's the love of acknowledging myself of where I'm at now, mm -hmm. dog, this and is, where yeah. a lot of you guys are at right now. And if you haven't been there, you don't need to get, get there and have these memories. Enjoy your memories you have right now because those are key. You know what I mean? Where you can wake up and make yourself breakfast. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, and you're the lead cook of your yeah. house, right? You know what yeah. I mean? But anyway, so go ahead, brother. Yeah. Sorry about that. So um, I finally, after a couple of weeks, I was like, all right, Miss Helen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work for you, you know? And she said, there's one condition. Like, what's that? I'm like, I'm like, I'm the only, you know, because that time, around that time, there was no program in the 180. There was only AANA. She was an AA sponsor. So she was like, Shorty, for me, for you to work on, you have to go to AA. Just sit there. I don't care, you know? Did she know about your alcohol? Oh, yeah, she know. Okay. Yeah, she knows. Like, I'd be like going to the window, like, Miss Helen, give me a honey bun. Like, get away, shorty. Like, she just smelled. Like, you yeah. know, she's like, she just <laughs> drunk smelled. as fuck like, trying to get a Pruno free. Pruno is so freaking, like, I don't know how you can cover that. That's just strong. <laughs> that's strong, bro. Yeah, that's that's like fucking onion breath. That sucker is like, I don't know why, what, it, it's like straight filth, you know, like, especially people like, Straining it with sturdy socks. With yeah, you know, bro, you're, you're smelling like you know? a sock. <laughs> fucking, you're smelling like all kinds of ingredients. They can smell everything that's in that Pruno. Yeah. Like dirty, dirty um, pillowcase and all that stuff. You know? Even though we fucking like to keep shit clean there, yeah. you know what I mean? And we believe that Addiction. the homies are not using a dirty no, sock. No, addiction is a disease. Like you just overlook, you know, whatever. Like yeah, just, absolutely. Just, yeah. So yeah, and um, yeah, and. And I sat there for a whole year, like in the age, and I was just like listening to people's story, and they all know, you know. I was, I just sat there. I won't even say I'm, a, I'm Edwin. I'm an alcoholic. No, I, I like my past, and I'm drinking. I'm like, I used to buy the Muslim cologne, and thinking that I'm slick, I'd be throwing that sucker in, you know, like. But cologne and Pruno is like, come on, you just, you just know that smell, you know, like. Yeah, you ain't fooling nobody, bro. No, no, yeah. like. So I sat there, bro. I, I was like, man, and. And these people are sober. It's like, wow! I started to really realize, you know what? There's more. There's better. There's another option, and then then what I'm living, you know. So I started, you know, stages of change. Like, I started to really question my lifestyle because at that time, you know, it was almost like ten plus years. I was getting tired of the way I was living. No matter how hardcore I was going, a hundred ten, it's that living that lifestyle. It's just, it's exhausting. I was like. There's days I was just like, man, you know, like covering, covering my depression and all that stuff, you know. So I started really questioning my lifestyle, you know. And then the moment that I said, you know what, let me try something new, was I had another. I got caught with, I got caught with some hash, and I got caught with the pruno, and I got caught with the cell phone. And then that same time, I, I was, you know, the homies got in a little fight with each other. We, there was a little ride in the yard, you know, with each other. And so it all happened in one month. Like, so now I'm a program failure, you know, because back to back to back 115s. And my mom told me, like, man, you're not even trying, you know. 
I don't think I I visit you the Pelican Bay. I visit you everywhere. You're not even trying. I know you. I know this person. You got to do whatever you're doing. Just try. Don't take away my visit. That's the only way I can see you. Is just don't take away my freaking visit. Yeah. You know, and that made me realize like fuck. You know, like if I'm not changing for myself, bro. Like it started off not for myself. Somebody something greater than me. And that was my mom. She was the first. She was like, damn, that's when I was like, you know what? Let me try for my mom, you know? I wasn't strong enough. I wasn't resilient enough to change for myself. So I started changing. I used her as my crutch to change my life, you know? And so now we're changing. Yeah. Ten years in. Ten, uh, yeah, about, about 13, 14 in. 13, 14 in. You're changing. Yeah. You're starting to like just like reevaluate reevaluate the yeah. way you've been living in there. Yeah. And you know, you feeling like, you know what, it's time to change it up, change the program up a little. Yeah. So how do you started with AA? Yeah, first thing I did was just, I just got sober. Like like you know what? Let me try just start just starting off being sober, you know? I mean change is hard, you know. I was I was already, you know, 33, 34. So for, for like almost... 33, 34 after being down since you were 16 yeah, years old. Yeah. So if you're living a certain lifestyle, you condition yourself the same way. Like, you can't change. In the, uh, for me, it was hard for me to change the first. Like, you can't like, oh, I'm going to change. Like, all of a sudden, you're change. Of course, you know, I wanted more for myself, but I have to actually do the work, you know, to actually be the person I want to be. So it took, it took a couple years to finally, you know, like, you know what? I said no more cell phones, no more that, you know, like, in my head, though, the only, t- the only way I'll go to the hole, you know, it's just if there's a riot, then I'll just jump in, you know, just for, the fa- just for the fact, you know, the homies know that, you know. Yeah, so you weren't going Christian, but you were trying no. to change your ways. No, I was changing, like, this is all inner, inner power, like, you know, inner self, like, I'm changing just for me. I'm going to start off with me changing myself, you know. Yeah. Like, I wasn't... Like, I wasn't religious or nothing like that, you know. Like, you know, I wasn't, like, look, going to church and all that stuff, which later on I became Buddhist, but that's later on. But, yeah, I started really changing for myself, and and I was scared, bro. Like, what is the homie? Like, I, I was shorty for freaking all these years. What is it now? I got to put the shield down, like, put my mask down. Like, people, like, that shame started coming, and the shame that played me all my life, bro, like, like, you know, when, when something happens, you know, I felt, you know, when I was a little kid, something happened. Like, I was a mistake. I always felt like a mistake. That was a mistake, you know? Now he's making mistakes. He uses a freaking mistake. That was the root of all my choices. That anchored all my choices, you know? Yeah. So I put, you know, I started, like, like even when I was, like, when I was, you know, the first few, few years, I never said Edwin. Like, when they asked me, what's your name? I said Eddie because I was so ashamed of Edwin, you know? Right. Because Edwin was weak in my eyes. Edwin was beat down. Edwin, you know, Edwin was something that he know, didn't know how to fight back. Edwin was alone. That was the biggest fear. I thought I was going to be alone. Edwin was left. I felt like I was abandoned. So Shorty, everybody loved Shorty, you know. But, so that was probably my biggest, my identity. Like, then I started calling myself Edwin, you know. That was like, it was just a mental switch, you know. Like, okay. And I was scared, like, when I told the homies, like, man, I'm going to concentrate, you know, on myself. And I, 
I will never advocate like, you know, like, hey, this is the, the life, go all out in the beginning and they're going to respect you, you know. No, but at that time, at that situation, it's like, bro, I know, we know Shorty, like, you did your time, you do what you got to do. So the homie was like, encouraged me to, to, to find whatever just because they know my past. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't like, okay, I wasn't using religion or whatever. Whatever, each their own, you know, but for me, they know that what this, I really wanted for myself. And they're going to respect that because I gave enough to them, you know. Because they knew you've been in there since you were 16 years old. Now here you are at 34 years old. Yeah. Thinking that I'm going to make some changes. Yeah. What, real quick. With that said, let's take a quick break. I have to use a restroom, yeah. brother. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with Edwin. Yeah. Because we were just talking about Shorty. <laughs> We're going to talk about Edwin now. Into the new introduction yeah. of Edwin. The warrior. The warrior? The warrior. Okay. Social justice warrior, bro. Social justice warrior. You guys ain't. This dude right here is doing amazing things right now. And let's get to this point right now. Let's take a quick break. And we'll be right back with Hoodstocks, everybody. Thank you. Shoot, muzzle on your face, I'm a problem for your ghost. 
for it all. Mama told me I was gifted, and I'm different from you all. The universe is infinite, so it has no center. This life is a drop in the ocean of its lender. Don't ever think, for instance, that you could be the devil. Could say that it's facts, but the devil is in detail. Sleep well while I stare with my yeah. hell. It's cop scared, it's like, baby, he's right there. I'd do anything for my youth, I got now. Picture what I do. <laughs> That song is called Animal Instinct, and it is available on all, all digital platforms. Just look up Lucky Sun Zoo, Animal Instinct, uh, Bozo, Don Pablo, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, just cop the song, bro. So I think it's like a dollar or something like that, you know what I mean? But anyways, uh, we are back. Lucky went pee, and um, mm-hmm. we're back with this uh, chapter now of Edwin. Edwin talked about reintroducing himself into a new line of light in the prison system that he was so comfortable with being shorty, like shorty was the man, like, you know what I mean? And then being fueled by everything around it, you know what I mean? Like the just like some alpha shit, some man shit, like as if you're in that environment, you know, you're fueled by a, all kinds of elements that just boost up your ego to be shorty and shorty had to break himself down to reinduce his self to himself and to be comfortable with being now introducing himself as Edwin. If that makes any sense, it might sound a little confusing. No, you know? no, it makes total sense. Yeah. So here we are now where you're comfortable with being Edwin in the prison system. You were down since 16 years old. Now you're like, what, 34 years old? Yeah, in my 30, early 30s. Early 30s, brother. You know what I mean? And, and go ahead, bro. Yeah, um, like I said, I do a lot of self-reflection, you know. I mean, I think you, brought, you mentioned this something in the beginning, like putting, putting energy out there, manifesting, you know, like manifesting what you want to be. And so I started, you know, like really connecting with other deep people with the same mindset, you know. I mean, I was still... Going into every single day, I check in the table and all that stuff. Say what's up to the homies and all that stuff. Playing the game and and yeah and and I started realizing, man, like there's no programs at 180. Period. You know. So the group, a couple people, you know, like we started putting our heads together and we started writing people to bring groups and all that stuff. You know. And one of the group that really changed me was um was called Men's Group. You know. It started off with. You know, in 2002, right, there was a big riot in, in um, BR New Folsom and a couple individuals from different ranks like, man, this shit needs to stop. This shit needs to stop. We need to we need to gather within uh, each other and just like have a conversation about real man conversation, you know, like what's what real man is not the prison, you know, label or whatever it is, you know. And when I joined that group, it made me really reflect of for me to really understand how I make choices and for me to really understand of, of what's really dictating of all the all, all the stuff I'm making you know I'm making in life I had to really trace down the root of the causative factors of my decision making of my work belief you know accountability accountability yeah so I I, I looked at it and I, I dealt with my lot of anger as a childhood I changed the narrative and that's when I, I realized you know, in order to find healing, you have to really open up the wound and just really dissect it. Like, bro, like really look at it. No matter how much you're uncomfortable, you're feeling, you have to really look at 
at your past and just change the narrative. Like you're not a freaking mistake. You're worth something, you know. And that's how I develop self worth. And then, and then something like that, like man, just you know, I am worthy of, of, of having the best version of myself. I am worthy of, of something else. You know, at that time, there still wasn't really, um, you know, really letting people out. You know, so I was just doing it, and then, and then I got a letter about SB two sixty about letting you know juvenile um, have meaningful chance to go home. But I wasn't really listening. You know, I was really, really like, like digging deep and to become the better version because the the version I'm 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 really introducing myself to. I'm loving it, bro. Like, there's values. There's you know, and all that stuff, and I'm still getting respect. You know, I always, I always tell them when I use a facilitate respect. What does respect means? You know, and if you really break down the two words, respect. Spec is to look in, and re is to do it again. So respect is to really look at, you know, look again the person of who they are, who is the true essence is. You know, and I really started to really look at it, and people started looking at me of how I want to be looked at. You know, the best version of myself. And man, I was walking around. Like, the yard with like so light, like I wasn't full attention, like I wasn't trying to, you know? And like, I even had a, a nickname, Baby Buddha, you know? At first I thought it was like a racist thing, like, bro, like, what, because I'm fat, I'm Asian? Like, nah, bro, it's your temperament, you know? Because one of the one of the best book I ever read is Men's Meaning, like Men's Search for Meaning, you know? I found meaning in my life, right? I had to make sure that, you know what, I'm gonna be the best version of myself, live the way I wanna live, and then to honor my, to honor my, my victim and to honor my mom, you know? Honor your victim. Yeah. Let's, let's touch on that. Yeah. How do you, I mean, so early 30s, you have an enlightenment of self-reflection and you're looking outside of the box, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. You're stepping outside of the box, physically, mentally, and now you're talking about honoring your mom, which is very important, but most important is honoring your victim. How do you honor your victim, brother? Yeah. Well, um, take a step back real quick. Um, my, my belief, you know, is you can't, I can't change without holding myself accountable. There's nothing more shameful for what I did, you know? I killed a freaking person. I killed, he was 17, I was 16, he was 17. I killed a young, another young boy. So how can you live a healthy life if you can't hold yourself accountable for what you did? Because it's always gonna be the back of your head. No matter if you don't take account of what you did, you're, that, that, that voice in your head that you're a monster, whatever the accolades or whatever the you know, people affirming what, how good you are, you'll never believe it because the back of your head, you never, you're not taking accountable for what you did. You f I killed a freaking another person. I killed another man, you know? Another boy. You know? Not, not only did you kill another man, but you killed another man of Asian descent. Yeah. And yeah. so you killed someone of your own kind. You know, someone that could potentially been riding be by your side in a, in a say in a prison environment exactly it's the same i met I, I met people you know in the others is that was there for shooting of my homeboys you know i met people that i actually you know like actually jumped in the street and then it's like we were cool but at the same time it's like not only that there's such a bigger like ripple effect of what i did you know bro like 
I found out that after that happens, there are immigrants too, you know, and then they the whole family moved back to Laos, you know. What kind of what kind of tra tragic event that you feel safer in a third world country than the United States, you know? <sighs> that little brother went went back. It's like man, that's the ripple effect, you know. Every single day I think about it's like it's, I I can just imagine the parents like you know what. Like today, I'm just praying to be okay, no matter how many decades it is, you know, because I work with a lot of survivors and families. No matter, it still affects them. Just praying just to be okay, not to be well, because, you know, it's either be okay or be shattered, you know. No matter what, you can never, once you crack the windshield, it'll, it can never be, you know, it can never be patched. You're always going to see that crack, and they're just trying to live there. So that mentality of myself, like, really, I have to really take account of the rip, you know, all the, all the cause and effects, the ripple effects. And then for me to really be the best version of myself, I had to take accountable. And one other thing is putting myself in, in, in um, Martin's shoes. I had to really look at his style, his life. And he was Buddhist. And that's why I became a Buddhist. I went to a, to a, a, a temple, you know, like a, a gathering for Buddhism. And I sat there. And that's when I started really learning and finding liberation because of that practice. To this day, bro, I wear something that's related, like a Buddhist Buddhist theme or whatever, a bracelet. It's because when I'm in that moment of wanting to hurt somebody, I just look at my freaking bracelet like, you know what? If I take these steps, it's going to lead me taking another life, you know? And I really believe I lost my, I lost the right to live in my own term. I'm living for two now. I'm living for my for my victim because when, when it's time, I'm going to say, Dude, I did everything I can to honor your name, you know. And that's why I'm doing what I'm doing because when every single day, you know, I can never change what happened. It's like karma. Karma thing is like, oh, you do something good, you know, things going to happen. No, things happen already. That's the bad seed. You have to plant a good seed to make sure your karma, your, your action is, you know, the tree is bigger than the, the bad action. So that's why I'm trying to balance out, you know. Absolutely which can be potentially very, very tough, difficult, right? Yeah. You know, because you, you have to look in the mirror and be okay when you have this realization. You have to look in the mirror and be okay, find a way to, to be okay with who you're looking at, yeah. especially now that you're seeing life, past life through a clear lens yeah. opposed to all, you know, the hype yeah. of being a convict, yeah. right? Being this guy, you know what I mean? Yeah, I pretty much, um, like one of my thinking errors is like I used to say, uh, like when things happen, I'm not going to be Mr. Bad, you know? Mr. Bad is minimize, rationalize, blame, avoid, denial. Whatever happens, I have to face what it is, how the reality of it is. If you're able to do that, that's how you can really account yourself, to really be, you know, responsibility. Like I said, when you break down responsibility, is responsibility is ability to respond in a situation. I'm not that kid no more that's reacting to how I reacted, you know. I'm, I have the ability to respond to each situation how it is at that moment, you know. So here we are, Edwin, having a realization of responsibility, um, in his early 30s after being down since 16 years old and how do we move from there? Yeah, um, so. And I know you spoke on it already, but like how do we navigate to 
your parole date? Yeah, so my parole date, um, I stayed another, um, you know, another few years. I think it was like my 17th, 18th year, I went to a parole date, you know. And it's like my first parole board, man, they destroyed the crap out of me, you know. How? Like they brought up everything I did in the beginning, you know. And what did they expect from you? I mean, what do you mean, what did they do? Well, they brought up everything, but you, so it sounds like you weren't prepared for that. No, I, I was. I mean, I went in there, like, I had a, you know, like, mentality, like, okay, I can't change what I did in the beginning. All I can do is try to explain it. But at the same time, it's like, I wasn't really trying, like, really explaining it, like, properly, because I was I was minimizing, you know, lack of insight and all that stuff. And I was, like, trying to justify what I did in the beginning. like Victim, oh. victim role. Were you playing the victim role? Yeah, I was. Like, you know, what? oh, what you, like, you know, what do you expect? I was 16. Like, this is the only thing I knew. Like, you know, like. Yeah. So I was kind of, like, really minimizing, like, this whole situation. Like, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I got denied. And I wasn't really, like, really, like, like devastated. You know what? You know, in my head, it's like, okay, I did what I did. I'm going to die in prison. So what I'm going to do is make sure that today I make, you know, I am becoming the person I am, and I want to make sure that, that everything, everybody around me, th their life is going to be uplifted, you know? So you weren't ready to get out. You were ready to get out mentally, yeah. but in regards to, like, a physical aura yeah. of, like, finally at that end of that road, you yeah. weren't there yet. Yeah. yeah, because, like, for me, my, my mindset is, bro, like, I killed a person, right? Yeah. Like, if I die in prison, that's my meaning. Okay, you know what? Life for life, right? I accepted it. But if they do let me out, I'm ready, you know? So that was my mentality. I don't deserve to get out because I took a life. If they do let me out, it means that I am I'm going to be the best person for the community, you know, and all that stuff. So, yeah, in my head, I will. Ne I never expected, you know, like, like say that I deserve to get out because of my, of my action. But, and, and, you know, it helped me process getting denied and all that stuff, you know. I mean, it was easy to accept it. Yeah, it was the, easy. The denial yeah. of you, uh, of your release yeah. from prison, even though you've been down since you were freaking 16, 16 years old. I mean, were you a virgin? No. No, okay. <laughs> because, um, like I said, remember, uh, you know, with their girlfriends or whatever, the only thing, you know, fast, Instagram, fast life is girls, guns, drugs, and especially when there's methamphetamine involved, you know what I mean, there's a lot of sex involved. Yeah, you know what I mean, it's yeah, not especially they're doing they're doing speed with you, and then like <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing. My girlfriend's right there, but <laughs> yeah. So um, Just pretend like she's not there. Yeah, bro. I, yeah. I've been talking about that, but Texas, bro. I mean, like you're from California, you live in Texas. There's adults that it shouldn't be even. I wish I shouldn't even be touching, but there's some swag about Californians that. That school was was easy picking for me when I was in Texas for a year. You were fucking nailing them down. Yeah, I was a whore. Yeah. I was a whore. whore. It's okay, though. Yeah, I got two STDs and all that stuff. <laughs> but, yeah, she knows about it. So. <laughs> welcome, welcome, to, welcome to Preston's world, bro. Yeah. Preston has an STD right now. <laughs> He's like, if my dick isn't burning, you know what I mean, then I ain't living. <laughs> um, and I'm not trying to make a joke out about STDs. But yeah. anyways, um, uh, so... You get denied mm -hmm. parole after, what is it, you said 18 years yeah. being down? 
18 years get denied parole. So About I mean, 17, yeah, 17. 17 years being down. 17 years in prison since 16 years old. Um, you get denied and you go back to your cell. Like, what are we doing? Are we regrouping? I mean, are we talking to the to lawyers, to moms? Are we getting a new game plan? Nah, nah, it took me a few days to regroup, bro. Like, you know. A little stressed? Yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, it's course. I mean, like, it's not necessarily like I expected the, um, the, the, um, the decision, but talking about my my case, you know, like I was there for six hours, four, five, six hours, you know, talking about my childhood, you know, the traumas, prison, you know, they, I have to explain every, like all my, my 36 to 41, 115s, I have to explain it. Like it was exhausting. Like it took a toll on me and emotionally, you know, like, and then talk about, talking about, you know, reading transcripts of, you know, the police report, you know, like, me taking the deal took the right of the family members, whoever it is, of what actually happened. Like it took away the court, the trial, and all that stuff. You know. Because took the deal. Yeah. yeah. So there was no, there was nobody really knowing exactly what happened. So there, there wasn't a closure for the family yeah, side. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like you know, so. So you stripped them of the rights yeah. to know exactly yeah. what happened. I was never in trial to really listen to like the effect of. You know, of them and all that stuff, you know. I took the rights, right? How, how quick did you take that deal? How how quick was that deal offered to you? I know we're rewinding way back no, no, into the story. How quick was that deal Man, offered to you? Three, four months. I wanted to go to, I wanted, like, I don't want to go to juvenile. I wanted to go to, like, whatever I need. Just let me start doing my time already. I took the deal. Make sure this is fast, you know. Like, let me take the deal already. Let me go to, to whatever you guys want to send me, you know. Yeah, okay. And so here we are. Yeah, you just had it took a couple of days for you to just like, you know, accept the fact that you weren't going to get out, mm-hmm. you know. And so, what do we do from there? So, um, you know, once again, like I was saying, I was, you know, I was really fighting for programs in one in in a new Folsom, writing people, and now programs started to come in. Like, I used to be shocked, right? Like these these people. You know, people want to run away from prison, but these people in the street, bro, like coming in and they want to like trying to save our soul and all that stuff, you know. And the way like these program providers, when they come in, they look at me as a human being. I started really feeling like a human being. So the more programs was there and I was like, I feel slight, bro. I feel like I'm free within my soul and I wanted everybody in the yard, you know, even as the 180, you know, everybody in the yard was like, you know, like. Feel what I'm feeling, like okay, this is this is the pathway to to get out of whatever situation you have in your head, you know. Even the shoe kickout guys, you know. I mean, I can't you know say their name or thing, but like one dude was like, you know, he was he he was down for like in the shoe for like you know he did, he wasn't one of the, the San Quentin guys, you know, like back in the 70s. He came out and me and him became close, and he was inviting his home, like you know, hey man, go to go to Shorty's group, go to Shorty's group. I signed up for Shorty's group, you know. I even had um. I thought I was in trouble. Like, hey, man, come to the yard tomorrow. The homies want to speak to you, you know? I'm like, damn. Like, here we go. Like, they're about to send me the mission because, you know, trying to, trying to see. But, but, and then plus my, my couple steps back, my homie that taught me everything how to steal. Like, I wanted to be, like, he was my OG. Like, he was the one that gave me my first gun, taught me to shoot. Like, he was like, he hit the yard, you know? And then he was like, hey, man, we need, to, we need you to come out. And they had an intervention, like, bro, you're having all these other race go to the group, but none of the homies is going to the group. Like, why are you not letting the homies go to the group? I'm like, I'm like, seriously, you guys have this little intervention, like, talking about, you know, you got to feed us, you know, you got to feed, you know, you got to feed um, 
the homies too in the groups, you know, because they always say like, there's something different about you. Sure, like when you walk the yard, like you don't, you know, like of course, you know, it's still it's still dangerous and all that stuff, you know. When you walk the yard, like there's like you don't act like you're in prison, you know. And people gravitate to like they want whatever you're having, you know. And people started around that time. People were starting to get out too, so it's like man, they started focusing about going home too, you know. I mean, it still rocks. Of course, it still rocks. It's still there, but at least now it's just introducing programs and all that stuff. Now they have hope, bro. Like that was the the beacon of everything. Is hope. I have a chance to go home, and people was going home. People like Caesar and all that stuff. Like the more they go home, the more we hear about it, you know. And I was thinking, if I go home, man, that's gonna shock the world, you know. So people's gonna be more motivated to go home, you know. Absolutely, bro. Yeah. So um, around the 20, 21st year, you know, like, I mean, because of my points, like, I remember my counselor called me, like, hey, um, you know, I went, I went to the counselor, and, and it was my, you know, you know, it was one of my best friends in the yard was there, and, and my mom, and, um, and he said, hey, man, I know you don't want to, right? And, um, and my Sally, they were all in, in the counselor. I know you don't want to. You think that you're really changing, you know, like, you're doing your purpose in the yard because I was. I feel like I was. I was purposeful in the yard, but you can't go home in a level four prison. Bro. Like you, ca- you gotta stop. You gotta stop the transfer. Like you know, because I'm always trying stopping the transfer. Like I don't want to transfer. I'm cool. I was really comfortable in the one one eighty because that's where I thought I belong. I could do more difference. You know. Plus, I heard level threes. You know, they there's no structures and all that stuff. So I was really comfortable. And like they finally convinced me. Myself is like, you know, like bless his heart. You know, and someone do is like. Bro, he lives in San Jose. He's like, hey, man, I'll go the first year with you. I'll go with you um, to whatever prison so you don't have to, you know, you have some somebody to ride with you, you know? I said, man, all right. And that finally convinced me and and using Scott Bundy's name and all that stuff. Scott's going to wait for you and all that stuff. I'm like, all right. So I went to, um, I transferred, okay, send me anywhere but Ironwood because I know the heat, you know? Send me to Ironwood and they sent me to, um, to Ironwood DR level three. I mean, like. I hate it. I hated level three. Like it was so hot. I wasn't the first guy in the canteen all the time. So I would actually stand in line. I was miserable. Like, you know, it's so um I hated the cell was small. You know, being in the level four, like one eighty for twenty two years, the cell is big in the one eighty, you know. And but level three it was it was so small, you know, and and yeah, I hit that yard um one year in uh level um in, in level three, the first time after twenty two years and I met Caesar came in and with the ARC, like, the hell, you were, you were a lifer? Bro, I was like, yeah, that was like, okay, when I get out, I want to freaking, this is going to be my destiny. Like, I want to come back and just like, you know, like same as uh, Caesar and the Hope Redemption team. I wanted to be just like that, you know? So I was in, um, low, yeah, Ironwood, one, like, you know, level three, and and I went to the board, bro, and, and I, I made it home, bro, you know? So how was it when you uh, you went to the board? I mean, what you know? What I mean, what did you have to do different prior to after your? You know what I mean, transparency, bro. Like, I thought like, okay, th- because because of my actions in the beginning, I was like, you know, like I wasn't I wasn't calling, you know, like I, I didn't had struck, you know, like high ranking in the other car, you know, because the first one they said I was I was a shot caller for the others one time and all that stuff, you know. And I was like, you know what? Like, we don't have shot callers for others, but I was, I was, like, I admitted, like, you know what? I was speaking to other race about right. I was the spokesperson and all that stuff, you know? Yeah. I, I admitted to everything. Like, I just, like, 
you know, Caesar was like, just snitch on everything about yourself. Like, you know, like everything that went on, just tell them everything. And I did, you know, everything, even the 115s I wasn't getting, you know. And the main thing is I explained, you know, who I was now and I was able to articulate who I am now today. You know, today I'm a person with meaning, person with calling, and per- a person with purpose, you know. Absolutely, bro. Yeah. And so they granted you parole. Yeah, granted you parole. So you, you uh, with, the, with the instructions uh, from Caesar, um, you were able to utilize that and uh, put, it, put it in perspective of what you were doing already, yeah. you know, in the system. And uh, you go to the board hearing, you're transparent with them. And do they tell you right there at the board hearing saying, hey, bro, we're going we're gonna to let you out? I mean, or did, how did that work? Yeah, um, crazy. Like, I thought I was gonna like. I, I thought I was gonna lose. You know, like we were. I was sitting in, in a tank. You know, my um, it's a good friend of mine now. Um, my lawyer and we were sitting there and we were like, I was like, damn. Because wait, wait, real quick, you said a girlfriend of yours now? No, no, no. She's a good friend of mine. A good friend. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry, brother. Yeah. Go ahead. And um, we were sitting there like, I, it's, I didn't make it because. For like a whole hour, right? They were they were on this kite that that um that they got 2016. They said that I had a somebody drop a kite. Say I had a cell phone and calling all the prisons, you know, to connect, you know, with other others and to talk about to talk about the riots. I was calling different cells, like like you know, like I don't need to call other prisons if there's a riot, you know, like we can just pass a kite. Like why the hell would we want to use a cell phone? So so that kite. I thought that was the setback because, you know, like I'm not trying to justify or or whatever other people like. I know other people that is so clean, like they're really doing the program, bro. They get one kite, man. That's it. Like you know, just because one guy, you know, like you know, old more money or whatever, and they drop a kite making up things, and they follows them to the parole board. You know, that yeah. that black and white ink. It's sometimes it's kind of, you know, it doesn't matter what they're doing now. It's like. That's that's their Bible, like you know, kites. Whatever the IGI says, this guy is to whatever I got a kite from. It follows you to the parole board, you know. Yeah, and so you uh, back to what we we're talking about, or what you're talking about now, mm-hmm. um, is so you you go to that parole board hearing, and they grant you parole. Yeah. And so, did they tell you that then? Yeah. So I sat there, and the first sentence. <laughs> Mr. Paragas, you're suitable for parole. And it ain't it ain't hit me, bro. Like, like when he he said that, like, like okay. And then she started saying some other long words. Like I just went blank. And I was like, and in the middle, like after five ten minutes, I looked at my lawyer. Like, what did he say? Like it finally, like it's just like, <laughs> oh, did he say I'm suitable for parole? And and, she, and she's like, she, and her eyes was like tears. Like it got she she nodded her head. And I was like, oh, bro. I started like really like. Getting emotional, I didn't hear anything he said, you know, and it just blanked out. I was like, "Oh my God, I'm going home," you know. So, so how how quick did you go home from there? I mean, from that that pro hearing, you got back to your cell, and how quick did, were you released from there? Um, I know 152 days. You know? 152 days yeah. from there. Yeah. And why did it take 152 days? Exactly, like it's supposed to be 150. Like they have 150. Um, days f- before the governor overturns, like if he's going to overturn, you know. So I was stressed. Who was, who was the governor that overturned it? 
No, not overturned. Like he has, he has um sign yeah, it off. Yeah, uh, Newsom. Newsom. Yeah. So sorry. <clears throat> it was 150. I went to my counselor. Like any word? He said no. I said damn man. Like if they haven't released me after 150 days, that means they overturned it. They're just, I'm just waiting. You know, like my whole my whole like demeanor changed. Like okay, here we go. Suited like suited and booted in a different way. Like. Okay, I had, I had to go back to it. I had to go back to the program of, of the only guy in, in a cold, in Ironwood or the heat at nighttime, walking around laps, thinking about, you know, like, what am I, like, think, reflecting and thinking about, you know, how am I going to do the parole board? My program was from, from the morning to night, it's, it's just reflecting, doing groups. That's all I did in, in like, the last couple of years in, in prison, you know. Like, I was, you know, encouraging people. And, like, I don't even have time to, to work out and all that stuff because people's always pulling me laps, different race, you know, there's like, I'll walk laps with them, you know, they, we talk about life, we talk about, you know, helping them parole board, and that's all I did in the last couple of years. All right, you know, another, like, if I get overturned, I have one year to, you know, go back to the board, you know? But on the 152nd day, it was like, the counselor called me like, hey, you're going home, you know, you're going home tomorrow. I'm like, man, it was like, man, it was, you know, it was it was spectacular. Like I don't know how to feel, you know. And then like the the guy in the you know, couple step back, when I got found suitable, you know, this is I know that I made a difference in my yard, you know. It was a DR, you know, Ironwood, um I remember Caesar used to say all the time, like, Hey man, you DR man, what's wrong with you scumbag? Like you got nobody goes home, you know, like DR was was like the GP that all were all we're all you know, like nobody would like it was all, you know, uh, CR. Everybody was going home. Nobody in DR. So I was one of the first guy, you know, like really that got that got granted, you know, in DR, GP. And um, and after I went home and I was walking by the chow hall, and they, everybody knew, you know, because I, I facilitated groups. Everybody knew that I went to the board, and then they looked, they looked at me, and like I walked by the chow hall, and I just went like that. Bro, like the whole chow hall, this like bunch of people started clapping, like yeah, they were so happy that I made it home, bro. Like they were like really clapping, and then I made it to um, I, I talked to one of my friends that he was you know, they let me talk to him, and um, when I went back, they were releasing for day room, and and then the guy in the tower, he was asshole, like we all knew, but like, he was always cool, but he he got in the intercom and says, attention the building, shut up, everybody shut up, attention the building. And everybody got quiet. Just want to say, uh, Paragus made it uh, was found suitable for parole. And I was like, and man, it was like people all different mm. race, you no, know, because there's two sides, Mexicans, blacks, and all that stuff. Like they all came with me, and they were like, they were really genuinely like pure, genuinely happy for me, bro. Like I was like, yeah, that's when I know I made a difference in the yard, you know. Like I was getting validated for what I was doing. You know? yeah. yeah, I mean, 16 years old. Get suitable for parole after twenty four years served. Yeah. You 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 get you get sent to R and R. You got dress outs. Yeah, that morning I remember. Um, it was nine o'clock, right? In the morning. Yeah, and this the, the counselor called my my name like, hey, um, they lost your paperwork. <laughs> they lost your paperwork, and it's like, um, there's a new guy in the R and R. They don't know you uh, you're getting out. And so uh, you might have to wait till um because it was it was a, a, a Wednesday yeah because and it was a day before Thanksgiving on Thursday, so you had to wait until after thanks, uh, Thanksgiving on a Monday they'll let you out. 
So it's like four more days. I'm like, oh man. But luckily, an hour later, I they found the paperwork, and so I was able to go to um to the R and R. I gotta dress out. I've made sure, like, I always says, man, I will never wear no skinny jeans. Like, don't ever send me no skinny jeans. Like, what's wrong with these people in in the street? Like, what's <laughs> gang members and all that's wearing skinny jeans? And like, do not like make sure you know. I mean, back then I was like, no, oh, you can't wear baggy pants no more. It's different. Back then I was wearing, you know, I was like 90, 95 pounds, size 40. You know, we only shop in, in swap meets, size 40s, 50s, you know, with, with three-letter belts and all that stuff. Like, man, all right, I'm going to compromise. Just give me a 38. Like, you know, like 38? Like, yeah, that's baggy. Like, no, that's cool. So they gave me <laughs> size 38, and they gave me boxer brief, bro. Like, I don't, like, the whole time I was wearing boxers. Like, what am I going to do with boxer brief? You know, I didn't even want to wear it, but... Actually, it was through wear boxer briefs to this day. <laughs> so, like, yeah, I put that on, and um, and man, it's just like everything was just so real, man. And I remember, um, that's another thing I will never forget. Like, I was in that van. I got out of the van. Like, I said, are you gonna cuff me up? I said, no, why? Like, that's the first time I ever left the yard not cuffed up. And I sat there and. And then we pulled up to like you know the waiting area in Ironwood like for the for them to pick you up, and it was like there was a guy that was paroling too, but he he did like four or five years like damn bro you're 24, like you did 24, how's it feel like he was at all like you know he was like, happy for you yeah, yeah. like I'm telling you man there's people were so really you know they think that we're always tearing each other down but you know like people was really genuinely happy you know so I went over there and my mom and my brother came out of the car. And my mom ran to the van. Hold on, hold on real quick. Your brother. Yeah. Is this a brother that was birthed while you were in there? No, it's my older brother. He's your older brother. Yeah, okay, because yeah. I, I know you previously talked about having a sister. Yeah, I have two uh, older, the younger. See, I have an older brother, the only girl, my sister, then me, and then my little brother. Okay, you know? go ahead, bro. And he, the, both of my brothers actually was there, you know, and my mom. <laughs> like a, my mom was like 4'9", like 4'10". She ran out of the car and like, she, I thought she was gonna just ram the damn van, like let my son out, you know? And then and the, the van stopped in the middle of the road, didn't even have a chance to park. And then he opened the door and and I, I ran up to her, you know, in front of the van. And then like the, the the driver, he was just patiently there with my mom just held me for like two, three minutes. At twenty four years, my mom, my family did did this time with me, you know. They 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 carried the shame. There was a quote I saw was um I don't know who's, you know, one of the, one of the daughters passed and died from violent act. And I think the parent says, "I don't know who who's worse, the par- uh, the parent that that their kid passed away or the parent that actually committed murder." You know, so I know my mom carried that shame, my family dishonor and all that stuff. And but she felt like that moment she's free from being in prison with me. You know, and so man, it was just a moment that was something that. I'll never forget, you know, and we were just crying. And then the guy that was with me, he brought his family to me and we shook hands and like this is the guy that did the time and all that. They wanted to meet me too, you know. And so it was just a happy, um, it was a happy moment, you know. So you said we'd, uh, I mean, we, we talked in the beginning of this journey about the food you wanted. And you wanted your first meal as what? My mom's cooking. Anything my mom cooks, Filipino food, you know? Rice, like real rice. <laughs> What's real rice? 
not some instant like you know like pre like pre cooked rice something you actually have to cook <laughs> you know with water and all that stuff you know like, so like she, you know, what does she make you brother? Well, like I said, we went you know it was too far. We went to um, In and Out, you know. Yeah. Like I daydream like. I wasn't daydreaming about girls. I was daydreaming about food. Like every commercial, like oh my god, like we all, me and myself, always talk about. Damn, look at that hamburger! You know, like something <laughs> about that in and out commercial is just like it's so enticing, you know. And it's really good too. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, I I got a shake. I got a double double. It's like you gotta try animal style. I try animal style, and it's something about the the car ride, right? People understand it's prison. It, it dulls your sensory, bro. Like, it really dulls it because everything is like, it kind of diminishes. No, you don't see a lot of colors, you know. You only see the walls. You don't really, especially during 22 years, we don't see outside world. We only see walls. See, it's not fences. See, you're basically seeing black and gray. Yeah, I saw. It's yeah. like, and then the most, we don't, there's no motion or whatever. So you're really sensory deprived. Like, that's one of the thing, cruel thing about, about prison. Like, people don't understand. Like, our senses is so dull, you know. So as soon as we get in the car and I was seeing stop signs and movement, I felt sick, you know? And eating all that food, I felt even more sick, you know? Like, I just wanted to just go home and just, like, puke and all that stuff. And I remember after I ate that, another thing people, like, don't really talk about is choices. We don't make no choices in prison, you know? They make the choices for us. We think we have power and all that stuff. So they took me to Ro- uh, to Ross, you know? Hey, we're going to go shopping for you. And man, my thing is going overdrive. Stimulus going all over and people all over me. So I'm already freaking like tense up. Like, I don't want to be, you know, in this. And my, man, my sister said, hey, because it was, it was in November, you know, the day before Thanksgiving. Go, go over there and grab a beanie real quick, bro. And I went to the beanie rack. I stood there, bro, like, like a dumbass looking at beanies. And I cannot make choices. I cannot make choices because I never made choices in my life. 16 years old. Yeah. That's that's actually a fucking, just like, a mind-blowing, just fucking, just thing to think about, bro. Yeah. Because you were in there since you were 16 years old. You know, you never, you never shop for yourself, really. Never. You know yeah. what I mean? And now you're in a position. Choices. Of freedom to make choices, and you got to pick out a beanie. And you're stuck in that little beanie aisle, not knowing what choice to make. That's interesting, bro. That's that's, that's really interesting. And the choice I made, I didn't make the choice. There was a beanie on the floor. That's the beanie I picked. Because like, okay, I'm just gonna grab this. Because I could not make, I I could not make no choices. And the beanie on the floor is a beanie that somebody didn't want. I just picked it up because, all right, this this right here, being in the floor, made the choice for me, you know. And I used to get frustrated when, like, what do you want to eat? I don't know. Like, don't ask me. Like, make a choice for me. It, it took a while for me to fa- actually make a choice, you know. To this day, I, I was like, where do you want to go? Like, whatever you want to eat to this day, you know. How old are you at this time getting out, which was two years ago? Yeah, 39. You were 39. And so... Two years ago, you were 39. So 39 years old, what was your equivalent mind state in age? I had the tools to combat life, but I still felt like 
when I got out, I was 16. Like, I don't know how, you know, how true it is, but the day you got locked up is once you hit the same environment, you feel the same whatever age you were locked up. I wasn't impulsive or immature in the thing, but I felt like I'm still the little kid that that was 16 years old, you know? Like, I was, I don't feel like, I still look at, oh, that's an adult. Like when people were in a cashier or whatever, or people around me, that's adult. But really in my head, I'm a freaking adult, you know? And I, I still, like, I, just, I was calling people in my language, in Filipino, like, we say po, right? For anybody older than us, excuse me, po, or we say po to everywhere, like, are you gonna eat that po, you know? And I was saying, like, that's the respect for the elder. But I was saying po to people younger than me, you know? Like, cause I, sometimes I think, like, I was, they're young, they're older than me, you know? A lot of people don't realize that, but at the same time, you got people on the other end that are saying, well, that's what he signed up for, that's what he did, that's what it is, you know? I see it on a different spectrum, you know, and it it actually, it's very, very, on a psychological level, it's very, very, very uh, interesting, and it's intriguing to certain people, you know, I mean, you know, that 39-year-old man that is still, in some ways, equivalent to a 16-year-old kid, because why? Because he was gone for all those years, you know, and he has no, you know, life's skill set yeah. of freedom in regards to grown man decisions. A simple thing of <laughs> what beanie do I want? What beanie, you know what I mean? Because you were, you were programmed for all these years that, you know what, you didn't have to make the choice. You knew that the doors opened at a certain time. You know, it was yard recall at a certain time. Yeah. It's count time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? On Thursdays, they serve fucking veal. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Which sucks. You know what I mean? You know? And, you know, brother, what have you done? I know Caesar, my boy Caesar right here, shout out to my boy Caesar, um, was a very intricate uh, tool in your release would you say that mm-hmm. okay and um so you when you were in there you wanted to do what caesar was doing you know what i mean um and so how did you approach that of your freedom yeah um i remember um first i want to just just take a step back one of the last thing i said inside right and they was like hey man hey when you're gonna write us and all that stuff i was like no, I'm not going to write to you, you know. I'm going to do more, you know. I recognize, you know, everybody did what they did. They should be accountable, whatever accountability and responsibility is. But my thing is, when I said about the good, like I recognize suffering in prison because I experienced suffering. So I told them, I'm going to do everything they can to make sure that you guys have an avenue to get out faster. I don't want nobody going through what I'm doing. So I made it a purpose, like, I'm going to honor my victim, but I'm gonna make sure that I don't forget the people inside. And I'm gonna do the work I need to do to make sure they ensure that they come out here in a healthy in a healthy way, you know. I think that's something that I'm doing myself right now. Exactly, you are. Yeah, I feel like it's something that I'm doing right now. No. You know? Um No, like when I like just, you know, before I get in my story, I just I had to just commend you like 
one of the thing, one of my favorite quotes is from Longfellow, right? He said, um, if you can read your enemy's story, you'll see the suffering and the sadness that will disarm hostility. You putting stories out there, man, there's something that they've been doing for eons, like in the far, front of the fireplace. Stories move, and you're given the platform to tell their stories. If somebody can see me as a human being, like how, how I started seeing myself, it will disarm a lot of the hostilities. You know? I mean, every, every uh, interview that I have like this, bro, is very therapeutic to my well-being, bro. And it gives me a, a sense of purpose besides my kids, yeah, right? Definitely. It gives me a sense of purpose, bro. And it's my way of giving back to one upon a time in my life that I took, bro. You know what I mean? And I feel that, uh, I mean, everybody sees these bald heads, these tattoos, these these rough faces. And if, if you don't hear the story behind the mad dog look, the scowl, you know what I mean? Um, you won't be able to, I'm, I'm here to give a better understanding. Yeah. You know, if you if you agree with Edwin being released or not, mm-hmm. you know, you you have an understanding from the story. Mm-hmm. You know, the journey, 24 years in prison, 16 years old. You know, and so you talk to the fellas. And you said, hey, I'm not going to write you. I will be back to give you a whole lot more than that. And yeah. that's the hope of getting out just like myself. And yeah. so what have you done since you've been out? Yeah. Well, um, like I got out. The pandemic happened like that month. It was, it was another like I really felt like I was locked up, you know. But actually the pandemic, that transition home I was in, gave me the opportunity to start, you know, like sitting there and then playing with the computers, mark, you know, try to market myself and all that stuff. And one of the things that, that, that I was really, um, I'm skilled with was connected with people, you know. And inside I connected, you know, with my, my spiritual practice, you know, they're called Balanced Freedom Project, you know. And, and one of the directors like, hey, there's a job opening called Transformative um, Work, transport, trans, Transformation um, in Prison Work Group. You know, you sh- you should apply. So uh, you know, I applied, and this this organization is something I believe in, right? It's it's a group of organizations that come together to make sure there's programs inside. People don't really understand, like, yeah, do you think there's programs? All that programs, like, they're not really getting the funding. You know, they're only getting out of the budget like point zero 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 one percent of the California budget to fund the programs, and like. So what they do is they gather together with organizations and they combat CDCR about making sure that there's meaningful programs inside. Because that's programs is what got me out, taught me the tools and healed and all that stuff. They guided me, you know. I got myself out, but they guided me, showed me different different ways. So I, I interviewed and they, they didn't hire me, you know, but they called me back. It's like, I really like your, you know, what you're trying to say and what you're trying to do and we want to offer a fellowship. And the fellowship ended up having a, a job, you know, and I had a part-time job with um, Balanced Freedom, the, my, my, my Buddhist pathway. And I, and I started working for Healing Dialogue in Action. It's restorative justice that, you know, uplifts the you know, victim of, of crimes and the, the people that offense, you know, lift up their voice and, you know, and, um, and practice restorative justice. 
So I was the first year, like those three jobs, man, I was just like, I was like, this is where I belong. You know, I'm sorry to say Caesar, I know he, he, he's a cohort, you know, he leads a cohort. As well. I ain't going to be doing construction. I'm too old to be doing construction, but I can't, I can't do it. One second, brother. Yeah. One second. And, and you can feed onto the comments real quick, bro. Uh, you see comments right there? Look at the comments, bro, and then holler at those comments. I don't even like. I don't want to look at the comments. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I was like, I don't. I don't want to look at the comments. You know, yeah. I might just strike. Some are good, some are bad. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, they do add 10 pounds, right? <laughs> no? No? no. <laughs> I do want to say, like, for, for uh, since I have a chance to platform, for lifers out there, like, I do a lot of, um, just, you know, like, my hobbies is just to take people out, so they get out. There's, like, lifers are getting out and eating all this food, and they're dying heart attacks. I don't care how, how much exercise. So be mindful, man. And just because you're out doesn't mean that, you know, you can just binge on food. They're like heart attacks after heart attacks. I'm like, I'm like, oh my god, you know. After one or two months. Sorry about that. My bad, brother. No, no, no problem. My bad. That shit was. <laughs> yeah, that shit. That shit was running through me, though. So uh, you said you were too old. To take on seizures program, <laughs> construction. Yeah. Five o'clock running, running laps and hikes and all that stuff. Yeah, I feel That's it. Right. No, I respect mean, to them. Respect to them. Yeah. Absolutely. So you, what, what, what was, what, what, what did you start doing, brother? Yeah. So I mean, at that time, all the prisons was on lockdown. You know. From the COVID. Yeah. Yeah. So what I did was just like doing the the policy stuff. You know, like organizing different organizations, making sure that you know the grapevine of programs, like getting the same information, making sure we all uplift each other. You know, we're fighting, we're constantly fighting, even doing correspondence, you know, because being in this, like during this pandemic, we never went, nobody, no, prison never went through whatever they went through. And, and that pandemic, everything was on lockdown. So nobody was getting programs. And how can you, how can you really, you know, like how can you really transform is if you don't have the tools that, that you need to be learning to transform, you know? You need that tool belt, you know? So I'm just doing the, the behind the scenes stuff, doing the correspondence and all that stuff, you know? Like doing curriculums for mindful, mindfulness and yoga and sales and all that stuff for balanced freedom, you know? I mean, like the stuff I was doing and then, and then last, uh, about six months ago, um, Healing Dialogue in Action got a contract to go back to, to Juvenile Hall. Man, like, like, okay, that's it, like, I became a director, um, uh, one of the directors for TPW, you know, but I had to step down. Like, going back to Juvenile Hall is my, like, something, you know, my dream, and I hear so many, I want to get back to the youth. You know, they always, like, I want to go back to youth. Now I have the opportunity to go back to the youth, you know, because of Gaston, he took away, like, you know, he took, you're not, like, if you're under 18, you're not going to go to prison or you go to, y all of YA is closed, DJJ is closed, you know. So now it's like, they, they gave us a contract and call a compliment, you know. It's like, we go in there and we just sit with them. We, we make sure that 
from the day they got sentenced to the day they get out, they're gonna they're not gonna be alone. We're gonna be mentored. We're gonna be like look, we're gonna be we're gonna offer them tools and all that stuff, you know. Because I remember when because want to give back to you when I was twelve years old. I remember like if somebody would have came, you know, and started talking to me and just just making me feel worthy or, or have values, that would probably maybe would have changed my life. So that's why I said I need to go back to juvenile hall, and that's why. No, I took full-time job now for HDA, and that's what we do. I mean, we offer victim impact um, classes in prisons, but but my my love was 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 juvenile hall, you know, and and seeing those seeing those youth, man, is like not for them not to go to prison, they have a second chance, and I can be part of that. You know, I can be part of their journey and being by them this whole time. You know, absolutely. Salute to you on that, brother. Salute to you on that. I mean, a lot of. Uh a lot, a lot of Californians, <laughs> first time I ever say that on the podcast, <laughs> um, you know, when it comes to, uh, we'll, we'll talk about uh, Gascon, you know what I mean? When we talk about Newsom, I mean, they want those dudes out, bro. Yeah. They want them out. But if it wasn't for Newsom, you wouldn't be out. Yeah. You know, and Gascon, they're saying, you know, the, 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 he's a he's the problem behind a lot of uh, dudes getting out the bail thing, whatnot. Yeah, I don't yeah. know all the the politics behind it. You know, I mean, I, I try not to get too caught up in politics because, I mean, the only politics I ever really played was street politics. You know, what yeah. I mean, and um, now I just concentrate on the politics underneath my roof. What affects underneath my roof, dog? You know, what I mean, but if someone has a a family member that is doing life, you know uh. what I mean, at 16 years old, you know, the Newsom is is valuable, you know, but the ones that don't, they think that he is a detriment to yeah. society, yeah. you know, because of laws implemented, yeah. you know, and what, what, what would your be, response to be to that? Yeah, um, I think when, when you were talking, one, one thing that was, um, that was coming up to me is like, that's why telling my story and the stories you put on this platform is so important, you know? The policies, a lot of the policies, I understand, you know, like, you know, I work, you know, part of, part of my job is working with survivors of, of crime and all that stuff, you know? So I, I understand their pain and all that stuff. But the policies they have is, is so punitive, like, just to punish. They think that if they punish us enough, you know, like, if they punish us enough, that they're not, you know, like, we're going to learn from that. But the people is locked up. You heard my story, like, we thrived in harsh condition and environment. Like, you put us in a place, we're going to grow from it, you know? So punishment is not part of, you know, it's not, it's not really, like, a good policy because it doesn't work. Just evidence after evidence, locking people up, throwing in the key, it does not work, you know? And that's why, like, I, I advocate for programs. Like, community-based organizations should be the one dictating what type of policies they should be running. And the one thing about Gaston, you know, whatever politics and, and whatever um, and, and Newsom's doing is they're actually listening, they're starting to listen to people that was, you know, like Caesar, people that lived the experience and can tell you this is the, this is the, the doors that can be open and the avenue that people can actually work. Because the old punish, the old just punish people, you know, it's not working because they're going to come out harder, you know. If I didn't change my life, imagine where would I, would I be? People, you know, they're letting more and more people out. So how do you, how do you want them out? Do you want them to be the best version of themselves, you know, and or do you just want to just keep pounding on them and, 
and hoping that you know they they're gonna be like oh this hurts I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna go out to change man you know well you, you uh, excuse me for being the devil advocate right here bro you know but there's not everybody is coming out with the clear lens that you're coming out with bro yeah. so there's there's individuals bro that are coming out and they're making people like yeah. yourself look bad bro. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's the argument that's being made, Definitely. bro. Definitely. We, we talk about statistics, you know what I mean? We talk about letting people out and who's going to, you know. Definitely, yeah. Who's going to feed the community with positivity? Who's going to just fucking continue committing crimes? And I don't. I hate to be this dude, dog. But no, I, got, I understand. I, 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 I got to be, I, I got to be this guy, bro, just so we can see. I can't be one-sided, bro. Even no. though I have a, a background that can potentially make me one-sided, you know what I mean. But having this podcast right here, dog, I gotta, you know, I gotta speak for a point of people that haven't been through what we've been through, and and bring up certain arguments, you know, in regards to that, bro. But you, we'll leave it at that, dog. But I just want to salute you, brother. No, it's valid. It's, it's definitely what what you just said is is valid. Yeah, it is. It is valid, bro. And for you, and of you know, what I mean, you seeing through a clear lens, you understand that it's valid, bro. You know what I mean? Let's do this before we, we we've been here for a cool minute, bro. Let's let's take a few phone calls and then we'll wrap it up. Okay. Yeah, you know I mean, you guys you guys want to uh, make a couple phone calls? Um, yeah, let's do a couple phone calls real quick, and then we're gonna wrap this up right here. My boy Edwin, right here, man, it's been very. Sorry. Guy, I always feel like I'm fresh off the boat, so I don't really talk much. But today I'm like, shut up, Edwin. Let's go like this. Huh? Paris? I live in Paris, California. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I was. I went to Pinacati uh, Junior High over there. Yeah. Yeah. That's always. I was six homes. You know, like six different homes in six years. You know. You're no, I'm like moving, constantly moving juvenile halls and all that stuff. And shout out to everybody that's joined the uh, the uh, Goonies members only. Appreciate you guys, man. Go ahead and uh, join that. You know, what I mean, if you want to, you know, what I mean, three dollars a month. You know, what I mean, um, this, uh, the phone line is open. If you guys would like to ask Edwin any questions, you know, feel free to call in. Let me see where we at. Where we at? Where we at? Yeah. And if not, it's all good. You know what I mean? We always open the phone line for everybody to give a little uh, rebuttal of whatnot. Let me see. I see Gangsta Mac right there. I see Fitness Logster right there. I see Bambi always, of course. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, Jose, huh? What's that? Huh? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people in the chat right now. Um, like, subscribe, all that good shit. You know what I mean? But this has been... This has been amazing, brother. Thank you so much for coming through the podcast, bro. I mean, if anybody wanted to reach out to you, how can they reach out to you, bro, for assistance or, you know I me mean, whatnot, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah my, my Instagram, please just reach out to me. I mean, especially if, if your loved one's inside, is you know, like, they need, they need guidance. Ooh, shoot. Sorry about that. Let's get this phone call real quick. Sorry about that, brother. Um... Hold on real quick. Uh, you're on Hoodstocks. Talk to us. Look. Yo, what up, Doug? And 
good job for him coming out, blessing your platform, and good job for you for getting these, these, you know, other views of things rather than always our views of things, brother. So you're number one. You're great. Good job, man. You're, you're progressing like crazy, brother. So big ups to you. Big ups to the homeboy right here, man. Stay up. Stay positive. You got. You, you guys got it going on, brother. That's right. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that. Yeah, positive uh, phone calls are always encouraged. You know what I mean, but at the same time, too, you know what I mean. You know, you got to be that devil's advocate sometimes, and you got to talk your shit and question. You know what I mean? What's in front of you, and that's okay because with questions, we find sometimes reasonings. You know what I mean? And let's go this right here. Uh, you're on Hoodstocks. Talk to us. Yo, what up, Lucky? What up, doggy? What up, Shorty? What's up? Hey, man, I'm I'm really liking your conversation, bro. Hey, I have a question, though, for Shorty. Yeah. Did you ever tap any of the guards in there? <laughs> like Miss Helen from Canteen or whatever her name was? No, actually, um, she became one of my closest friends, bro. Like, she was, like, became, like, my work mom, you know, and shout out to her. She changed my life, you know, and just, just a few months ago, she visited me, you know, and like she came down from Sacramento and and that same month she passed away from COVID, bro. And wow. and I remember um, people was calling me like, Damn, man. yeah, she's like, hey man, like Miss Helen, all he, all she want to do is just talk about you, and she's just you know she was really proud of you of what you're becoming, you know. Damn, she probably saw something in you, man. Yeah, I, that's all it takes, you know. We just we need that one person just to believe in us to start really believing, you know. For sure, man. But, hey, well. I, I, I used to be addicted to meth too, so I know yeah. that shit is one yeah, hell of a no, drug, that's bro. That shit's a demon, bro. That's, that's, hey, yeah. yeah, man. Yeah. Well, anyway, shout out to Hoodstock, shout out to Goonie, um, Lucky over there, looking a little slump. <laughs> He's about to tap out. Yeah. <laughs> we almost said, man. You yeah. too, doggy. Thank you, bro. Good You're luck. on Hoodstocks. Talk to us. Fuck you, Lucky. Love you too, doggy. What's up, man? Hey, boy? I have a question, though. Yeah. yeah. Hey, what's up with, uh, what's up? I haven't seen KC. Did I miss something? Yeah, dog, you missed something, dog. INS fucking ran up in this bitch, dog. You know what I mean? And deported his ass back to motherfucking Hipsterville, dog. Stop playing, fool. <laughs> <laughs> Everything good, dog? Everything is good always, baby. Life is good, dog. God is good, dog. Love you, my boy. Thank you for calling, dog. Uh... Anyone else want to call in? We we will accept some phone calls. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, rather than that, brother, let's get this last phone call right here. Uh, you're on Hoodstocks. Talk to us. What's up, Lucky? Yo, what up, baby? What's up? Four shots on my IBW family. It's local 47 up in this motherfucker. Yeah. Hey, uh, hey I heard Homeboy had a special talent in there, dog. <laughs> what talent is that, bro? I heard homeboy used to uh, he used to jack off and spank his ass at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> There's a skill to that, bro. You know, you gotta have you gotta have you gotta have coordination. You gotta, you know what I mean? Yeah. I heard I heard that Vato was was the duel, eh? <laughs> All right. All right, bro. Winners launches, doggy. This fool's dog. Stupid. <laughs> You're on Hoodstocks. Talk to us. Hey, what's up? What up, what up? Good. I'm just chilling. Hey, bro, I just wanted to say much love to you and your podcast and much love to Edwin. You know, I know how it is. 
I know how it is when you're pressed out and you know you're trying to get back in the program and trying yeah. to do your thing. But much love to both of you, and I hope y'all motherfuckers have a good night. Yeah, appreciate you, bro. Yeah, absolutely, bro. Thank, Thank you. you, though. Yeah. That's right. That's hey, right. much love from Salt Lake, Utah. Utah, baby. That's Calling right. in, dog. Much love to Utah, Woo! dog. Absolutely. All right, then. Salt Lake, baby. Later. Much love. Is there salt in the lakes out there? Yeah, it's hot, my boy. But, you know, I I'm, I just got out of the county like a month ago. I haven't been to prison, but, I mean, I know I know how it is, you know, when you, when you program and you get down with the homies and, you know, make a little spread here and there. <laughs> but check it out, dog. Don't get too depressed, dog, because hopefully one day you get there, bro. I mean, <laughs> you know, sky's the limit, baby. <laughs> I'll just fuck with you, dog. Keep it easy, baby. Stay out that bitch. All right, like. I think, doggy. Yeah. Hey, Edwin. Thank you, brother. Yeah. Can I just say one one last thing? Like, I know um one of the reasons I wanted to be the podcast too is like I'm I, I want to plead, man. Like, a lot of those youth in juvenile hall, man. It's like they just no matter if you you know you're still with the game or you know it's time to just chill or whatever. But those youth, man, just just some type of just write them a letter, just encourage them. Like, just tell how it is, man. Like, prison is not it's not what it's what they they glorify you know like we all know prison fucking sucks we don't want these kids you know they have a second chance just send a letter on just just encourage them that's all man they just i mean they have so much potential and but they just sometimes lack of guidance you know absolutely i'm gonna take this phone call this is the this is the family bambi right here hold on let me get you on bambi what up bambi bambi what up hey i have a question for him yep what mailing courses does he recommend? Yeah, oh, and there's, there's a lot, like, Grip has a great, you know, inside garden. I mean, if you go to my Instagram, um, uh-huh. yeah, I will definitely love to um, guide you to some of the, you know, it really depends what prison, because they all have contracts. So go to my Instagram, just message me, and I will, you know, I can even help you guys, you know, prepare for boards and all that stuff. Just hit me up, you know, like. Uh, man, we're just trying to get them out, man. The best, you know, to to the family. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay, thank you. I'll DM you. Okay. Thank All right, Mammy. Love okay. you, girl. Bye. Uh, you're on Hoodstocks. Talk to us. Hello. Okay, that ended right there. Manji. One more man, handshake, baby. You, that shit was amazing, you, dog. Everybody, give it up for Edwin, baby. You know what I mean? Uh, much love, much respect to you, brother. Keep your head up. Keep growing, dog. Keep doing, uh, you know, just keep on honoring yourself, honoring your victim, honoring your family, brother, and just making the right decisions in life, dog, and just, uh, you know, give back to what we've taken, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, yeah, that's what it's all about and shit, dog. Appreciate you, man. Keep it up, bro. Anything Absolutely. Support you. Absolutely. We are out of here. Love you guys. Like, subscribe, all that good shit. We gone. New Folsom football, undefeated. Oh, is that right? <laughs> we had some moments, so, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs>